Welcome into Hoopsville on January 28th. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA NABC studios, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Hope you're ready for a lot of basketball chat here in Division Three. As obviously we have a lot to talk about. We're pretty much at the conference turn, as it were, meaning a lot of teams, if they haven't started already, are now starting the second half of their conference um, runs. They, they may still have some teams they haven't faced yet, but for the most part, everybody's kind of starting to make that turn into the second half of round-robin play. Of course, there's those conferences like the NESCAC who only play one set of round-robin, but that's pretty much what we're doing here. So we're kind of gauging teams now that we're, oh, two-thirds of the way through the season. And so we got lots to talk about, including some teams who are on top of their conferences that may surprise some people or has been surprising some people. It's not a maybe surprise anymore. Also talk about the challenges that are Division Three. If you have questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, if you listen to us on the podcast, either through SoundCloud or iTunes, certainly appreciate your support. And we appreciate you taking the time to even watch the show on demand if you're not watching it live. We realize sometimes watching it live is a little harder to do, so the archives are there are available for that reason. Now, let's take care of some business. Today was supposed to be the Hoopsville Marathon show. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. Uh, we got smart is what happened uh, earlier this week. It came to quickly realize there was just no time while shoveling out three feet of snow to get uh, any resemblance of a 12-hour show put together. Uh, usually we do a lot of work in the week prior. We lost a lot of time preparing for a winter storm, then dealing with a winter storm. So as a result, we decided it would be smarter not to do the marathon this week. We have pushed it to next week. We will do it on February 4th. A little later than we'd like, but better to do it right than to kind of free-for-all it. And so we will be on the air for 12 hours Starting at 10 a.m. Eastern next Thursday, and we're already starting to work on guests for that show. We'll be part of the Hoopsville fundraising efforts, which another thing we've been wanting to get off the ground for the last week, but the storm uh, had its distractions. Uh, the advantages of having your own home studio and having your own, own home office is that you're you're able to get a lot of work done even when you're not in normal work hours. The disadvantages, um, yes, you have an office during a storm, but that doesn't mean you're you're in the office during a storm. Uh, I don't know how many thousands of cubic feet of snow I have shoveled uh, after the blizzard that hit the Mid-Atlantic area, uh, but it took a lot of time away. And obviously, you have your kids at home. My son's been home the whole week, uh, no school at all this week, and so that does, that takes away a bit of the time that we normally have. And so we have um, going to uh, set that fundraiser up. Hopefully, by the end of the night, we will launch it. By the end of this show, and it will be live. We'll obviously make a more big a deal about it next week. It will run through the end of the regular season, meaning Selection Sunday will be the last day that it is up and running, if that makes any sense. Um, we hope uh, if you feel like you uh, want to contribute to our efforts to cover Division Three, that you will do so. We will have some um, gifts and stuff. But again, we'll talk about it later. Also later in the show, we'll talk about an incredible gift that arrived for us uh, in studio today. Uh, we have hinted at it, and we are thrilled to, to reveal it later in the show. We'll find a place to put it uh, later uh, in the week as well. If you have any questions, again, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. 
Uh, we talk about the conference turn. Quickly, let's talk about who we have on as guests. We're going to be uh, mixing it up today. Uh, and Usually we kind of put a couple men's coaches together, a couple women's coaches together. Today, just for the heck of it, decided to alternate. Why? No reason. Just felt like doing it. So tonight we will hear from Christopher Newport, uh, the number nine team, men's basketball coach. Uh, John Kikorian will be joining us on the show. Then we'll switch to women's basketball, talk to the undefeated Bluffton Beavers. Their women's basketball team playing some darn good basketball, have already met the record for wins, which was set last year. Got to figure they'll beat it, but will they stay undefeated? We'll talk to them coming up. Then we'll go to the NABC Coaches Corner, talk to a team that may not be doing tremendously well when you look at records, but they are certainly a team to talk to. Coast Guard. It is not your atypical school to, to recruit to, to coach for, etc. We will talk to their head coach, Coach Jazkowitz. I'm sorry, Jazz Kowitz. Uh, we'll talk to him about the challenges it is to be the head coach of a service academy, especially in Division Three. Do you realize... He can't recruit tall players. He can't. They won't get in. We'll explain that coming up in the NABC Coaches Corner. Of course, ask him the fun questions at the end as well. Some great answers from him are expected. Then we'll switch back to women's basketball. We'll head to uh, upstate New York, I should say. St. John Fisher women's basketball. They only have two losses on the season. Interestingly, came in back-to-back games and they weren't pretty. But the rest of the season has been pretty fun to watch. We'll talk to St. John Fisher coming up. Then we'll head out to Iowa. There is a storm brewing. Simpson men's basketball back on the radar after their former head coach resigned and a new head coach stepped out of the high school wings and said, you know what? I'm an alum of this school and I want to take them to the next level. We'll talk to Simpson men's basketball. That's all coming up on the show. Also coming up momentarily, we'll hear from Nancy Fay. Won her 700th game. Now, we had Nancy on the show just the other day, if you may remember. Or I should say not the other day, but a few weeks back. Nancy goes and wins her 700th game. It's kind of hard to get guests in when we try not to repeat them till late in the season. So we kind of felt bad we couldn't get Nancy on the show. However, Chris Mitchell and those at uh, Washington uh, University in St. Louis who do a tremendous job with their website put together some sound from Nancy that they revealed today. Not only talking about win number 700, but the court dedication coming up with the names of her and Mark Edwards on it. Got a chance to hear from Nancy. Here's what she had to say. As the game progressed, it was a big game. You know, we were playing Carnegie, was undefeated. So I really focused all up until that point was to beat them. And I know there was about a minute left in the game. And that's kind of when it hit me. I knew we had won the game. And it just, for a second, actually for a good solid minute, I thought about the 30 years and those 700 and all the people and players and assistant coaches. It, it kind of caught me off guard. You know, after the game, what I told them is that they represented so well all the other 700 wins by how hard they played. Um, I told them, you know, that they're the ones that have put the work in like the others before. And that their alum and their, their, their family would have been very proud of them. Coach, can you talk a little about the court dedication? What, what does that mean, mean to you? First of all, it's an incredible honor. Um, it's an honor to share with Coach Edwards that you know, we've worked here for 30 years together. It means a lot. Um, we've always talked about this being a basketball family uh, and the men's and women's teams, although it's two programs. So um, to share that is huge. And again, it comes back to the players um, in the university. And, uh, you know, it's a name, but it, what it represents is more important to me. Well, Coach Faye, why, why have you stayed at WashU for 30 years? Uh, you know, it's, you find a fit. I, when I'm recruiting, I tell kids you got to find a fit. And I found a fit. And... Also that fit is because WashU thought I was a good fit. 
and they've given me the opportunity, uh, you know, and resources to ex be the best I possibly can. And I appreciate that. And so when it's a good fit, you stay. What's the best part of your job? The kids. Um, I, you know, getting to know them, working with them, and the teaching. You know, being on a court, ho hoping making, you know, players, you know, a little bit better basketball players, but more importantly, you know, working in a team atmosphere. And uh, that I really enjoy. Congratulations to Nancy Faye, to say the least. That's an impressive mark to win 700 games. I think she did it faster than Gino Arienta and I and Pat Summit. Something in my head tells me. I know she did it better, faster than Pat Summit, but I think Gino Arienta could be wrong. But something in my back of my head says she did it faster, or Gino did it in only a couple games faster than she did. 700 wins, and great that they're both getting. She and Mark Edwards getting a court dedication in both their names. Um, if you know Nancy. And you know Mark, and you know their program. They're very much a team and very much a family. And so for both of them to get their names on the court certainly seems appropriate, to say the least. So congratulations to them. Thank you to Chris Mitchell and, and those at the WashU Sports Information Department for sharing that sound. Let's talk about top 25, speaking of which. And, of course, we'll start on the women's side since we just heard from Nancy Fay. Of course, WashU, uh, number 10th in the country, having fallen down to number 10, having lost to um, – NYU over the weekend ain't going to get much easier. They play number seven Rochester coming up this weekend. Of course, they are undefeated so far. They don't play anybody during the week in the UAA. Nobody in the top 12 in the women's basketball has lost a game as of yet. First loss is Capital. They lost to Wilmington in a strange uh, outcome there, 64-56. Remember we mentioned Capital streaky, and I said, I know it's only two losses, but they've been up and down a little bit. Kind of seeing it here with this loss to Wilmington. They've got Mountain Union coming up this weekend. Games have been postponed like crazy still early this week. Stevenson men and women are playing tonight against Messiah in a game that should have been played yesterday. Their Lycoming doubleheader. Remember, we had Lycoming's head coach on um, earlier this or last week it was. Um, their doubleheader against Stevenson has been postponed to February 1st. A lot of games getting put on February 1st, which makes it tough. Um, but that pretty much uh, is one of the other notes is Muhlenberg's game against Elizabethtown has been postponed. But no other losses in the top 25 except for that one in Capital. Um, outside the top 25 teams that are getting votes, St. Mary's lost to Augsburg, Calhoun lost to uh, Claremont Mudscripts, Wartburg lost to Coe, and Keene State lost to Eastern Connecticut. Um, so that's that's kind of the teams of note on the men's or women's side, kind of a quiet week. And a quiet week on the men's side, to be honest, too. Uh, the big game, obviously, was Elmhurst Augustana, played last night. Uh, game was tied at halftime, 47 apiece. And then uh, uh, Augustana put its foot down, number two team in the country, won 97-84 against Elmers. When I read five or six players in double figures for Augustana, I don't remember exactly. I think Augustana certainly it points out that, yeah, they lost an overtime game on the road by two points at Elmers. Listen, hard place to win. They, they prove they're the better team, in, in my opinion. I feel certainly much more comfortable that I still have them as the number one team. But Elmers now has lost two of their last three, if memory serves. Uh, they've got Milliken coming up this weekend. Ohio Wesleyan lost to Worcester. I saw the end of this game. Thriller free throw shooting came down to the end, basically. Um, Worcester hit two free throws to take a one-point lead with a few seconds left. Um, three and a half seconds, if memory serves. Worcester pushed the, down the court. A foul was called. And amazingly gutsy, the referee did not count the shot, which was the right call. Sent the free throw line, hit two free throws with 0.7 seconds left to give Worcester the win over Ohio Wesleyan. Ohio Wesleyan's only second loss of the season. There are some thoughts that Ohio Wesleyan's struggling a little bit right now despite having two losses. 
I think they're okay. Winning on the road at Worcester, tough to do. They have won three of their last four entering that game. So they've now beaten Worcester three of the last five, so I'm not overly surprised. But again, we'll see how that uh, how the battling bishops respond because they will have a, a good test against Hiram coming up this weekend. Susquehanna lost to Catholic in a barn burner of a game, 101-80. to 80. Shooting percentages through the roof if you look at the box score. Uh, Catholic not exactly a defensive team this year, apparently. Um, but Susquehanna gave up 101 points. Don't know if that says a lot more about Susquehanna than it does about Catholic or if it says more about Catholic than it does Susquehanna. Susquehanna has now lost two of their last three, but let's be fair. Um, they also have a, they, that, that does, it's not like they've done it in a week. There was a delay because of the storms. Um, I'm going to see how Susquehanna responds. They are off this weekend. Um, this is their, their conference buy is this weekend. I'm curious what will happen next week. Don't think I ding them too much for that, but 21 points, certainly a lot, but the shooting percentages again through the roof. Roanoke lost again. This time they lost to Randolph, 91-86, another game where Randolph certainly shot well. Big test will be <clears throat> coming up this weekend when they face Virginia Wesleyan at home. Remember, they beat Virginia Wesleyan on the road. If they beat Virginia Wesleyan at home, I'm going to be pretty confident about Roanoke. Otherwise, I might get a little nervous about Roanoke. Otherwise, no other top 25 losses. Trinity lost to Merchant Marine. Merchant Marine was leading by 22 with about 10 minutes left and ended up holding on to win by 7. Gettysburg had a horrible week so far. They have lost to Swarthmore and they've lost to McDaniel. McDaniel came from behind. Crazy finish in that game. Uh, They have Washington College ahead. Washington College beat up on a very beaten up Johns Hopkins squad to get a win just the other night. Uh, Whitewater yet lost yet again. They're 12-6. and six. They lost to Platteville. St. John's lost to Carrollton. Uh, Virginia Wesleyan lost to Randolph-Macon 88-59, which makes that Roanoke game a little bit more interesting. Will Virginia Wesleyan come out on, you know, with a with a bit of an edge? They are 12-6, and six, surprisingly. And then Trine lost to Albion. Trine is, is struggling right now. They are now 13-5 and five after starting the season 10-0. and 0. They are 3-5 and five in their last eight. Some of us, like me on the top 25, may have bought into Trine just a little too soon. Big game coming up against Calvin. So that's your top 25 recap. Um, if you have questions for us, you can remember, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Hope you're enjoying the show. If if you do have questions, please let us know. There is a chat room alongside the YouTube window. Freely admit, we don't check it as often as you would think, um, but we'll certainly check it as often as we can. Um, and so... You know, that's how you can interact with us, et cetera, et cetera. Again, remember, end of the show, we'll talk more about the marathon coming up next week and, of course, Sunday's show coming up this weekend, plus the details of our adjustment to the following Sunday. Also coming up, we'll talk about uh, the Hoopsville fundraiser, which we hope to launch by the end of the night. If not tonight, it'll be tomorrow. And then we have uh, a, something that arrived in the mail today for us to put up in our backdrop. We will show you the gift, the incredible gift that showed up here um, that we are looking forward to showing you uh, from a fan of the show and Division Three basketball. We'll talk more about that later on. But first up, here are our guests again. Christopher Newport's uh, John Kerkorkian. Kerkorkian. I'm making up names at this point. Uh, Bluffton's women's basketball, Coast Guard men's basketball, St. John Fisher women's basketball, and Simpson men's basketball. That is your order. It is the name show. At least three of those names are some doozies, uh, but we have fun with it nonetheless. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll head to Christopher Newport. Talk to the one loss, Captain's who are ninth in the country. Talk about why the CAC may be tougher than we think it is. That may say more about what Christopher Newport has done so far going undefeated. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches and the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. we got more Hoopsville coming up after this. 
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. And welcome back to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Hope you're going to enjoy tonight's show. Obviously, we're just kind of getting rolling here on this one. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Uh, join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. All scrolling at the bottom of your screen If you, in case you missed it at any point. We love interactions um, with our guests, and obviously at the end of the show, we'll answer questions as well. So uh, feel free. Use the uh, social media means to keep in touch with us. Obviously, we'll talk more later in the show about the Hoopsville fundraiser, and we'll also talk more about the marathon show coming up here uh, next week. Supposed to be this week, but it'll be next week. Uh, let's get into our interviews, some of the best part of the show. Uh, talking to a lot of variety of teams today, including those who are just just can't seem to lose. They may have lost. They just can't seem to lose again, maybe. That certainly is the case for our next guest. Uh, one loss on the season, playing really good basketball. Uh, you can't you can't seem to shake them, and they are dominating the Capital Athletic Conference as a result. So we go to Skype, which is our, our new favorite toy. And joining us there is John Krikorian, head coach for the number nine ranked Christopher Newport Captains. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Hey, great to see you, Dave. Great to be here. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time, especially using the new technology, as it were. Um, listen, you and I were talking before we started recording this. Uh, you guys are having a great season. I think there certainly were good expectations. Seventeen and seven last year, nineteen and nine the year before. Certainly a team that is always in the hunt and building. I don't think anybody saw this kind of success at this point in the season, though. Yeah, you know, even over the last couple of years, we we felt we were building towards uh, some really good things. Uh, and for the first time, really in those three years, we haven't had to rely. Uh, as much on on the younger guys and the newcomers so the vast uh, number of players that play for us are returning players that they know the expectation they know the system they understand the challenges in the capital athletic conference and so i think that's really helped uh you know even last night at southern virginia uh they gave us all we could handle and uh that was a game last year we lose in overtime um but these guys were kind of with able to withstand some of those runs and you know, put it away at the end. So uh, I really think it just comes down to, to 
we're doing the same thing we've always done. We just have uh, more experience and some veteran leadership, and uh, I think that's really made a difference for us. You have a three-game lead on this conference right now, uh, up on Salisbury, who's seven and three in conference, fourteen and three overall. Salisbury having a great season, which was somewhat expected despite an injury and a coaching change. Penn State, Harrisburg's in the mix. That's when things get interesting. Let's go back though to the fact that you have a three-game lead in the conference with eight games to play. I'm certainly not saying you've got anything locked up. We don't want to ever say that at this point in the season. But you're certainly sitting in the catbird seat here. Yeah, you know, it, it's obviously we, we look at standings and we look at things like that because we want to stay informed. But, uh, you know, none of it is productive. I mean, all we, we really try to focus on is is the next game. And we can't control uh, what Salisbury, Penn State, Harrisburg, right. these, other, these other guys might do. We just got to go out there and play the best that we can. And uh, we've been on the other side of this and been in third and fourth place and had to fight from behind. And, you know, so this is a little new position for these guys in this conference. Um, and what it means is you get everybody's best shot. You got a target on your back. Yeah. Uh, and it's some challenging, challenging games. And, and this league is just unforgiving if you don't come to play. And, you know, so, so far it's worked out for us. I have no idea what the future will hold. We just want to play the best we can because ultimately the only thing you can control is how you do in those last few games in the playoffs in your league if you want to advance. Talk a little more about the conference, and we'll talk about your team. But you guys are 10-0 and in the conference. Um, this is a conference that last year St. Mary's won with a 16-2 and record regular season. Did not get into the tournament, unfortunately. Um, the year before, it was Wesley on top at 14-2. and two. Uh, This is certainly you know, a, a shakeup. St. Mary's, again, uh, kind of the talk of the town or this conference for a number of years. But I don't even remember the last time they got through this conference unscathed. Uh, this conference is weird, though, on the flip side of that, whereas Penn State Harrisburg's in the mix and Southern Virginia's in the mix at 5-5. Five and five. Those are teams that were at the bottom of the conference the last few years. St. Mary's, Mary Washington, York, Frostburg, and Wesley all at four and six. And then Marymount, who's also a good team, sitting at three and seven. You've got four teams at six and 11 overall, three teams at eight and nine overall. You just look at that information and you go, oh, okay, what is this conference this year? Is this a transitioning year for this conference? Is this, is this a sign that this conference is going to be really tough in the future? Or is this the bottom's coming up, the top's coming down, we're going to have a flip? Yeah, you know, I, it's cra- Division three basketball is just so crazy because, I mean, there's a lot of good conferences, you know, and everybody that, you know, promotes their team and their program says, you know, our co- our conference is the best. And, and yeah, sure. <laughs> and there's a lot of great and there's a lot of great ones, but, um, you know, we've only been in this league for three years, and it has been a, a huge step up for us. And you know, two years ago, our first year, I guess, three years ago. I mean, it was outrageous. We had four teams in the top 25 most mm-hmm. of that year. Uh, last year was really good, but, you know, when it came to strength of schedule, you know, some of the bottom teams were still figuring things out. There were some new coaches. Uh, and when we play 18 conference games, you know, those seven non-conference games just carry a whole lot more weight yeah. uh, when, when it comes to rankings and all that. Uh, what changed this year is – a lot of those pro- programs got better, significantly better, like Penn State, Harrisburg, and Southern Virginia, uh, and their players got older. 
uh, and they had been through the league. And we have a ton of really good senior guards in this league. And guards is what wins at every level, but especially Division Three. There are good senior guards on nearly every team in this league. And, I, and that's why I think you saw uh, our league have so much success in the non-conference. Uh, and I think it was pretty significant. And I got to think we're going to be ranked league-wise among the best this year. Uh, what that means next year, I have no idea. You know, players graduate, coaches change, you know. But, but I do think the upper half of our league will always be competitive nationally. Uh, what's interesting, I, you know, I've looked at your SOS number. It's not an official number. I don't want to throw it out there for anybody. It's coming from one of our stat gurus. Obviously, we haven't seen the NCA numbers, but he's basing it on what uh, we have been entrusted to know as the NCA math. It's a reasonable, good number. And so that, on top of the fact that you've got this 16 and one record, uh, that you've got wins. Uh, over some significant teams in that mix that are probably going to be regionally ranked. Yeah, you have a loss to Scranton, but that's not a bad thing. Long-term, looking into March, you're positioning yourself pretty nicely to possibly get games to come through your place. And I realize that is not a topic of conversation with your team, but it's got to be in the back of your mind. Every time you bring me on the show, you got to go there. You gotta, I do. Gotta it's that time of year. The pundits and all that. Like, I have no idea. You know, we got eight incredibly challenging games ahead of Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And in all likelihood, we're going to lose some of those games. I mean, this is just conference grind play on the road in the league, in a good league. I mean, so I, we, we just are trying to get ready for Penn State Harrisburg. But I, I understand your point. And, you know, we haven't been in the NCAA now for, for the last two years. Yeah. Uh, so our first goal certainly is we, we want to be there because we think when we're playing at our best, we can play with anybody in the country. So we, we at least want that opportunity uh, where it's played, when it's played. I, you know, I don't care. We don't care. You know, we just want the opportunity <laughs> to play. Certainly, you know, uh, playing at home is, is an advantage. And you see the teams that advance to the, the final four typically uh, have at least one pot on their home court. And we get all that. Um, but ultimately we don't even control that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got committees and rankings and strength of schedule numbers and, you know, we can't control any of that stuff. We just got to go out and play. And, um, you know, I do appreciate, you know, your thoughts that maybe we could be one of those teams, but man, we just want an opportunity to play against the best and, and, uh, and see what happens. But that being said, wouldn't it be nice, your facilities, which is certainly great facilities, to be able to host there instead of the Virginia Wesleyan always getting the host down in your neck of the woods to get people to have to come through your gym, certainly important. And while you talk about possibly taking some losses in the next eight, and we should mention you're at home against Penn State Harrisburg this weekend. You'll finally make up the game against Frostburg State on the road on a tough Monday, unfortunately, before then hitting the road against Salisbury on Wednesday, hitting the road at Wesley, which is really a tough place to play the following Saturday. Then you'll finish with three of your last four at home. It is a tough stretch, but at the same time, there's got to be a little bit of a feeling like we we can't afford to take a cheap loss. We really should be playing at our best right now. Yeah, you know, all that's external pressure again. They, they, <laughs> you just really, uh, yeah. honestly, they, they, there is the one thing in the capital this year, there is no cheap loss. True. There just isn't. You know, you look at the bottom, like I think Marymount yeah. and Wesley, you know, are kind of near the bottom of the standings per se. But like that's 
totally meaningless because they're terrific. No, absolutely. Wesley, at Wesley, that's a that's a conference championship type environment and game. So whatever that would mean for a, for a, a strength of schedule number or anything like that, that's the furthest things from them. Honestly, we, if we learn from it and get better from it, that's what we're focused on because sure. all we can control is those games that last week of February where for the last two years we've lost in the championship and been left at home with a really, really good team. Uh, and so we just want to get better so that we can play our best that week. This thing's a grind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, we just want to be playing great, feel good about ourselves in that last week. Uh, and, you know, we feel like we're on track to do that. We're healthy. Uh, we have good depth. We got great guys. We got high character. So we think the pieces are in place, um, you know, but, you know, you can't control going to a gym and, you know, they throw it in from the cheap seats and play a great game or, yeah. you know, it's just their night, especially in this league. So, um, again, I, I appreciate it. We, we're not talking about undefeated. We could care less. We just want to get better. Uh, and we want to play our best at the end of February. Obviously, this team, we kind of hinted at it, peaking maybe a little bit early this season. You do have three seniors on the squad, but they're not necessarily the statistical leaders uh, when you look at your at your roster. You've got five guys leading the way who are either sophomores or juniors, led by uh, Aaron McFarlane and then Marcus Carter and Tim Daly. Uh, McFarlane, nearly 16 points a game, shoots 91% from the free throw line, 46 from beyond the arc, nearly 50 percent from the floor. Marcus Carter, six point one rebounds, fifteen point one points. Tim Daly, eleven point six points, seven point eight rebounds. Again, not a senior. Um, what also jumps out at me about uh, well, I, we should mention also Kevin uh, Reginball uh, at eight point one points a game and Rashad Brown eight points a game. I haven't gotten to a senior yet. Um, you get to him at Hunter uh, Weatherall at seven and a half points a game. But back <laughs> to the previous guys, two of those top three also don't start. Yeah, I mean, you've got one of the stranger stat sheets I've seen in a while. You know, again, I think it really goes to the culture, you know, and the leadership of this team. It's a special group of guys, you know, and they don't, you know, it started off Tim Daly didn't start because, you know, he got, he was injured for like the first game and Hunter was a senior and we rolled with it and nobody, nobody cares, you know, Aaron feels really comfortable coming off the bench and he's having a phenomenal year. So why change it? Um, these other guys have gotten us off to good starts. Kevin and Ray Shard are as solid a guard tandem uh, as I've had in terms of just doing the right thing and, and executing our defensive plan. And so to have them on the court to start the game is huge. So, you know, and you talk about only three seniors, but uh, the leadership that they provide is really important. The, the last time we went to the NCAA tournament, we had four seniors and only one started. Uh, and the other three guys were just the high character, bring it every day, say the right things in the locker room kind of guys uh, that really led that team to, to a lot of success. And we have the same type of leadership with the three seniors this year. Connor and Ben Watkins don't play as many minutes, but their, their leadership uh, on the court and in the locker room uh, every day is really, really important. You know, how can you complain as a freshman or a sophomore about your playing time or coming off the bench when you got seniors uh, that are that are sacrificing just as much and not getting the minutes? I mean, so I, I love where we're at in terms of the unselfishness of our group. 
And, and I believe that that leads to, uh, you know, some really connected play when we step on the court. That's as big a reason as any is, I think, why we're having our success. Um, again, two of those start guys aren't starting. You mentioned Daly and McFarland. Those guys aren't the ones starting. The other thing that's interesting, that automatically tells you there's some depth on the squad, but you have gone, I think it's eight deep in every single game. You've gone 10 deep in 15 of the 17 games. You're, you're willing to go to that bench, and they're all contributing. Those are things, without looking again too far down the road, that are going to help come CAC tournament time. Those are things that are going to help come NCAA tournament time. Yes, the benches tend to get shorter in those occasions, especially when you get media timeouts. But you know you got guys you can go to if you need to in a pinch. We, don't, we have 17 players on our roster right now, and there's not one of them that we don't feel can come in and contribute. Not one. They are all talented. They all have high character. And they can all contribute, and, and they're all a little bit different. Uh, and so from game to game, matchup to matchup, um, you know, it might be someone else's night. And, you know, that that's just – it really makes for a fun environment every day in practice, you know. Mm -hmm. like last year we went to St. Mary's when they were number one in the league, and we yeah. were able to knock them off on their court. I think we played 16 guys in that game. Uh, and, and, you know, so I, it, it's – I think it's a huge advantage for us, our depth, especially, you know, late in January, early February, you hit the grind. Uh, some teams are banged up and playing with short rosters. Um, you know, we're able to just keep doing what we do and throw in fresh bodies at you. Uh, and these guys can play. And I give them a lot of credit. Some of the guys that are not getting as much time, uh, you know, they, they, they are they come every day with a great attitude, just doing what they can to help the team. And they know that uh, their number is going to get called and they better be ready. Talking to John Kerkorian, head coach of Christopher Newport, ninth-ranked uh, captains uh, in charge of the CAC by three games. Coach, quickly back to the Scranton game. Uh, obviously, that comes at your home court, uh, at your home tournament after Christmas. Uh, a tough loss, 65-58. to It ended a, a great start to the season, but kind of restarted your season in a way, too. What did you guys learn from that game? How have you adjusted since that game? Yeah, that taught us a lot about our mentality. You know, we had gone, we had a pretty big break there uh, yeah. at Christmas time, and I, I felt that we needed that, uh, and it was good. But it, it did take us a little while to, to get clicking again. Uh, and, and you bring in a really, really tough, talented Scranton team who poses a different challenge than a lot of teams in our league. Uh, York might be the only other one that really plays that, you know, but, but that's what you see in the NCAA tournaments, those big, strong teams that play uh, high, low, and inside out. Uh, and so that was a little different challenge for us that we hadn't seen. And it was a heck of a game. Uh, Carl's a heck of a coach. And, you know, at the end of that game, we, you know, we were undefeated. And you could see our guys tighten up a little bit. Uh, and, and Scranton's kids didn't. They, they went and, and saw an opening, and they took it. And so I think our mentality at the end of games uh, has really changed since then. And our guys, you know, have learned, hey, you can't. You can't play with fear. You can't be on your heels. At the end of the game, you just got to go for it. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't go your way, it doesn't go your way. But, uh, you know, we learned an awful lot from that game strategically and uh, psychologically. And, you know, Carl's a good friend. So if I had to lose somebody, I'm, I'm glad it was to uh, to him. But, uh, you know, he, he's he just they got such a first class program. Sure. And, uh, you know, we were able to learn a lot from that game. Uh, quickly with the road ahead, uh, you've got an interesting travel. As we mentioned, the Frostburg State game getting pushed off because of the blizzard. Uh, you're going to have to play that on a Monday. You you are one of the furthest teams away 
besides Frostburg uh, in the CAC. You got to take that beast of a trip on a Monday and then follow it Wednesday by having to cross the the uh, Bay Bridge Tunnel System to get onto the Eastern Shore to play Salisbury, and then. Uh, three days after that, do that darn trip again, but go even further up to Dover, Delaware. This is a tough three-game stretch on the road, literally on the road for you guys. How do you prepare your team for what is just not an easy travel uh, scenario? Yeah, you know, it, it just worked out <coughs> that way that, you know, that snow happened to come when it was the Frostburg trip. So, <laughs> again, we, we can't we can't control it. Um, you know, we, we've we've had to play three games on the road uh, earlier this year and a pretty tough stretch with uh, Virginia Wesleyan, Marymount and uh, Pitt Greensburg. And, uh, you know, so, you know, we, we don't, you know, we don't stress it too much. We kind of part of, we, I kind of like going on the road to be honest with you. Uh, and our guys do too. You know, we get away some great team bonding time and uh, you know, so, we're just we're just gonna play, you know. If we can defend and rebound on the road, um, you know, we feel like we're gonna have a shot wherever we go. And uh, you know, like I said, I, I think there's some positive qualities to going on the road. When you have those overnight trips, especially, uh, you get a little hotel time with the team, and you know, you get to talk about some things that you know in the daily routine of being at home you don't get to to talk about. So uh, we'll just take the positives from it. It's gonna be a grueling week uh, for their bodies physically, but uh, we'll do everything we can to keep them, keep them fresh and sharp, and you know, excited to play. I love how you pointed out the Virginia Wesleyan game being, a, you know, a tough. Yeah, it was forty-five minutes down the road. Hey, <laughs> you've been to Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's a tough place to. You know, that's true. That's true. It well, is. So. It's comparing that to Frostburg Wesley or uh, or <laughs> Salisbury in terms of travel, though. It's pretty rich. Uh, I didn't tell you we walked. No, yeah, yeah, well, let me guess. You walked both ways uphill with your with bare feet, right? That's that's what made it really hard. You know? <laughs> hey, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show, talking about your captains. I'm quite sure we'll be talking about Christopher Newport quite a bit down the road as well. Obviously a big stretch ahead, but we'll keep an eye on the captains the rest of the way. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, thanks a lot, Dave. I, I just, you know, I, I hope that everyone – this is the tough time of the year for everybody, guys like you and guys that are playing and coaching and pressure. And, you know, it's such a grind. I, I hope we can all step back and just uh, enjoy this journey because uh, regardless of records or whatever, I mean, we're, we're it's basketball yeah. uh, at the end of the day. So uh, keep that in perspective. Enjoy the journey. Have a good time. And uh, we certainly, you know, I love the new look for D3 Hoops. And uh, hopefully the Skype thing works out because the last time you had me on here with that goofy picture you had up in the corner the whole time, you know, I think we ended up losing every time after. So try this live video. Hopefully this will work out a little bit better. But uh, we appreciate all you guys do to promote Division Three basketball. It's a great level. Competition's only getting better. Uh, and, and we love the, the exposure that you guys offer our players. And we really do appreciate it, Dave. Well, thank you for coming on and, and, and trying Skype out new. Obviously, I now know the motivation behind getting that uh, up and running on the computer. We'll try and bury the picture as soon as we can. <laughs> uh, good luck the rest of the way. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. John Gregorian joining us. Again, the CAC leading captains. They up three games, 10-0 and in the conference, 7-3 and is Salisbury, but they are 16-1 and overall. Again, that stretch coming up. Frostburg State, Salisbury, and Wesley all on the road. Then they finish the season with four of their uh, – 
or three of their next four games at home. Looking forward to seeing how they do the rest of the way. When we come back, we'll jump out to uh, the Great Lakes region and talk Bluffton women's basketball. Did you know Bluffton's undefeated? The Beavers are undefeated. We're going to go check in with them coming up next. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville right after this. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville. This is Danielle Donahue, Executive Director of the WBCA. And we are a proud, proud partner and very excited about all the future broadcasts. Here's Dave. Thank you, Danielle. Appreciate the, uh, the shout out. You'll get to hear from her, the WBCA president, coming up <clears throat> on Hoopsville's Marathon Show next week. We got a chance to run into her at the NCAA convention. You might get a hint there that our video is going to be a little bit dark when we do interview her, but she will be coming up on the show next week. Great chat with her. Wonderful things at the WBCA, and we're looking forward to um, our relationship and our partnership with the WBCA moving on. You are listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Told you we're going to shift things up today, do it a little different, kind of swap it back and forth between men's and women's basketball. Hearing from the WBCA president, you probably can guess we got a women's basketball segment coming up here. And so uh, that is what we're doing uh, here on the show. And so <clears throat> have you noticed there's an undefeated team that probably hasn't come up in conversation very often? They actually tied their record last year for the most win, or I should say they've already tied the record they set last year for the most wins in uh, the season with 18. They're 18-0. and Beavers of Bluffton are playing very good basketball. They can't be ignored. They're now ranked 21st in the country on the D3Hoops.com poll, and that means we better get them on the show, right? So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, Chad Schutler. Uh, <coughs> Shuttler. Jeez, did it again, Coach it. of That's Bluffton. Right. Jo joins us here. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thank you very much. I'm glad for the opportunity. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I mean, come on. You guys hit the market 18 wins last year, <clears throat> excuse me, with nine losses, finished 12 and 6 in the conference. You're 18 and 0 this season. You're just you're just 
clipping right along here. This is this is outstanding to see. Yeah, you know, kids are definitely really excited about it. It's been a, you know, we kept saying it's a good start, a good start, and then things just kind of turned into, you know, a good beginning and a good middle. And, you know, so we're just, we're pleased with where we're at, and um, we're happy for, you know, the success that the kids have been able to play well and, and what they've done. And, um, you know, we, we keep preaching over and over, just like every coach, you know, the season is very long, and we've got a lot of games. With, with where we've been and, you know, the tenures that have been at Bluffton. And um, I think we've made some really good strides with the program. Uh, certainly great strides. You look back, <clears throat> excuse me, at, at what's happened. I mean, it was not that long ago the team was 8-17. and 17. The next year, 12-13, mm-hmm. and 13, then 14-12, and 12, and now 18-9, and 9, now 18-0. and 0. You're in your 11th season, if memory serves. You're playing. You certainly know how this program has evolved over the years. Uh, did you expect, though, this kind of season already out of the gate? I mean, I know you were expecting a good season, but 18-0? Sure. and 0? You know, we've, we've had some veteran kids, and um, we've got six seniors, and I think that's really, really important at this level is you've got some kids that have been through the trenches and understand um, what it takes to be successful, you know, day in and day out in practice and, you know, on the road trips. And so I think it's been a culmination of um, – some veteran experience and some good young talent and a good mixture and blend and unselfishness. And so um, I don't know that I would have predicted it would have been 18 and 0, but you know, one thing has kind of led to another and, and um, we're trying to just take it a game at a time and, and keep improving at the little things and, and try to keep striving to get better. I was going to say that beginning part, Hey, good start to the season. Hey, we've had a good start to the season. Okay. We've had a good middle. Yeah. At what point is it? Okay. We're having a good season. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think we're kind of at that point right now. I mean, I, we're happy with where we're at, but I, that's the good thing about our kids. Is I think we're so hungry. Um, we've got some goals on the board yet that you know we haven't uh, accomplished and um, ever here at Bluffton. You know, so I think yeah. it, it's important to stay focused on um, the road ahead and, and the games and the, and the uphill battle that we still got. You know, I think we we've tried to pride ourselves on um, not and being hungry and, and being ready. You know, when that opportunity comes and, and trying to take advantage of it. So. I think that's been, been key to keeping us engaged and um, out of those you know lulls that you have. And it is a grind every Wednesday and Saturday from here on out. And um, so it's important to stay fresh and focused and disciplined and you know on the task at hand. Now you look at uh, what you guys have done this season. Last year in the conference, Transylvania won it at eighteen and zero, twenty five and three. Transylvania this season is twelve and six, eight and three, lurking behind you. You were up in the mix, though. You're right behind Hanover. Franklin was right behind you, yep. but now you got Rose Holman right behind you. Franklin's in the mix. Transylvania's kind of there, and then there's a steep drop off before we hit Hanover. Is this right. also maybe just a perfectly timed season for you guys as well? Um, yeah, I think the, the way that the conference fell. I mean, we were fortunate, I think, to have um, some home games early um, in our league where Transylvania came to us and Rose Holman came to us. You know, the first. Um, three conference games um, we were able to play at home. I think that helps. Um, so we were able to establish ourselves and win a couple. And, you know, confidence helps a lot of things. Um, so we hit the holidays, and then, you know, the beginning of January hit the road for a three-game stretch, and then Franklin was at the top of the list. And, you know, we're able to escape Franklin with a one-point victory over there, and um, that continued to help. So um, we've become battle-tested a little bit, you know, but um, we're at the peak of that uh, three-game road trip again, starting on Saturday. Got to go back to Rose Holman and got to go back to Transylvania. So some really good games coming up, but, um, you know, you got to win the ones at home and uh, you got to try and steal a couple on the road. I love how and coaches so- know where I'm going with this stuff. You mentioned <laughs> the three-game road trip. That's what was coming up next. 
Yeah. Uh, you got the game against Rose Holman coming up on Saturday on the road. You beat them 45-36 back in mid-December. Uh, that's got to feel like eons ago. You got Manchester sure. coming up, who you uh, just beat a few weeks ago, 66-32. And you do have Transylvania coming up. You got to go down to Kentucky uh, and play them. Um, and that's a game earlier this season, beginning of December. You beat them 65-61. That's like two different seasons in the grand scheme of things. How do you get the team yeah. kind of prepared for two teams they haven't seen in a while? You know, it's 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 a challenge. You know, we try to um, watch a little bit of the tape that we've got, you know, from the game before, and understand that, you know, both groups, including ourselves, you know, have evolved a lot in that time span. I mean, um, there's a lot of time between early December and late January and early February that um, teams grow, they get better. Um, young kids, especially freshmen, Rose's got a couple of freshmen that have, you know, gone through the trenches and I think really improved. There are better players now than, than when we played them before. So um, we got to refocus on, you know, what are their strengths and, you know, what we need to do, you know, to be successful um, against quality teams on their home floor. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's any secret. You know, you have to be able to defend well. You got to rebound. You can't turn the ball over. Um, you got to hit some shots and make your free throws. You know, if you can do some of those things. Um, it's tough to get them all, but um, if you can do a couple of those on a given night, I think you give yourself a chance. One of the things that I've certainly gotten to appreciate more and more, at least this season, my alma mater is going through a bit of a change in terms of both coaches, both men's and women's were, were resigned and they've got new coaches coming in. I, I keep hearing it, especially on the women's side, we got to preach a different mentality here. We've got to we got to break the habits. We got to kind of teach them that they can win games. We got to teach them how to win games. We got to yeah. teach them how to close out games. You know, you've been there 11 years. You're clearly in that you know in that direction. But how hard is it to kind of break the mold as it were and get teams and get players to understand, no, we can do this. Yeah, it's 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 a huge challenge. Um, you know, and we've tried to talk a lot about um, you know, I think it's important to establish a culture, you know, the culture that your team's got. And, and in, in some cases, you have to change the culture that um, is losing and um, not competing in practice. And, you know, so those things, and it, it, it's an uphill battle and it's not easy. But um, I think in the long run, um, if you find your niche from a university standpoint and recruit good kids that are serious about getting an education and want to improve themselves as a basketball player and a good character kid, um, I think you can make small steps and, you know, then you win some games and get some confidence and you attract maybe a couple more good quality kids. And so I think it, it helps build itself. And, and uh, you know, a tribute to our kids is I think we got really good character kids and good discipline kids that they sell our program better than anything else. And um, years like this and like last year, um, when you do win some games, then those better kids in your area, I think, give you a little bit more of a realistic look and take, or they take notice a little bit that, you know, it is a good institution and the facilities and what they're trying to do, and I want to be a part of that. So that goes a long way to help, you know, maintain and build some consistency with your program over the years. Let's talk about the, the players on your team. This seems to be a theme this year. Let me work my way through it, and you'll figure out what I'm saying. You've got six seniors on this squad, so when you look at the roster, one would assume you got to take advantage of this opportunity. But it seems like I bring this up every time. you got these seniors on the squad, but they're not the statistical leaders. Your statistical right. leaders are sophomores and juniors in the first four. It's Macy Shearer, uh, 13.1 points a game, nearly eight rebounds a game. She's a sophomore. Casey yeah. Rowe, 11.5 points a game, seven rebounds a game, sophomore. Rachel, uh, is it Bining? Bining, yep. 11.5 uh, points a game, 7.5 rebounds a game. Uh, Bining is a junior. Uh, and yeah. then you get to Caitlin Pennenkamp, uh, 18 yep. games, no starts, 10 points, Three and a half rebounds. 
Penningcamp is finally the senior. We got to get to that point before we finally find a senior. Right. That's that's incredible in the sense that that's a a theme this season. But but b you've got this senior group who has come so far and they're being statistically led by underclassmen. Yeah, and I think the, the, the really important thing about that is, um, you know, if you look at the last even six or seven or eight games that we've played, we've had a different, you know, leading score every game. Yeah. Um, and I think early in our seniors' careers, when they were freshmen and sophomores, we had to lean on a lot of those kids for offensive production night in and night out, and it was a bit of a struggle. You know, so as they've gotten older and, and progressed to juniors and seniors, We've gotten a couple younger kids around them that can share that load a little bit and take some of that you know, pressure offensively off them and has allowed our team to really grow into a lot of different roles. Um, so we talk every day and in, in every game and in every season about you know, fulfilling your role for the team and, and what does that take. And, and on different nights, different kids have been able to step up offensively that maybe you know, the game before weren't having a great shooting game but really maybe rebounded really well. Um, and, and our kids are so unselfish. They share the ball so well, and, and we keep preaching it and, and acknowledging it because I think it's a great trait, um, especially in today's society that, um, you know, our kids enjoy an assist just as much as they enjoy putting that shot up. Um, so that, that's great to have as a coach. Um, I think it's a great trademark of this program. It certainly is impressive uh, to see. And, again, 18-0 to start the season. You have tied the record. No matter what happens the rest of the season, we're pretty much sure you're going to break the record. I can't imagine it's an O for the rest of the way. You're going to get some wins here. What sure. you've done just in the last couple of years is certainly worth uh, you know a, a pat on the back. But more importantly, what's interesting is last year it got missed by the fact that Transylvania had such a great season, that Mount St. Joseph had such an incredible story going on. You right. kind of allowed yourselves to fly a little bit under the radar. So now that the spotlight's getting brighter, now that the attention's getting a little bit bigger, how do you keep the team kind of focused at the task at hand and not let the the emotions and the enjoyment of the attention get to them? Yeah, and that's a, channel, a challenge too. You know, it, it, it's important to acknowledge kind of where we're at, um, and our kids feel good about it. Um, but like I said before, um, I think our kids understand that um, this is great where we are, um, but it's not where we want to finish at. I mean, we have aspirations of a conference championship, which has never happened at Bluffton. Yeah. Um, aspirations of postseason play. And so I think those things in the background um, help me as a coach to keep that focus and that direction pointed forward. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a daily task of reminding them about things that are important. And we haven't, you know, accomplished what we set out to do yet. Um, it's great where we are. We pat ourselves on the back, but understand that we're not done yet. Um, so there's a lot of good games to play yet. And, and I think our kids embrace that, you know, and they work hard every day in practice, and we try to keep things, you know, a little shorter, a little fresher, and, and um, try and keep them engaged the best we can and focused and, and, and ready so that when those game days get here, we're ready to go. Something I, can't, I find interesting while reading your, uh, uh, your bio is that, A, you've, you know the area pretty well. You're a Heidelberg graduate. Um, you played basketball there. But while you were playing basketball at Heidelberg, you were volunteering and, and coaching in other locations. Um, you've been coaching in the school system in the Bluffton area quite a bit. You feel very much at home, it feels like, in that region and in that town. How much is that helpful for you, too, to be able to not only recruit, because you can say, listen, I'm, I'm from this area. This is, this is my area, too. And how easy is it for you, too, to, to feel like you can get something done because you've invested so much? Yeah, I think it's important from a recruiting standpoint that the, the kids know, hey, 
there's not a different coach every three or four years, and there's some stability with the program, um, and you can build some continuity. And you know, we're, we're raising a family here. You know, we're not just with our team, but my wife and, and, and our kids, and and the community's been really good to us. And you know, I, I think I'm kind of a small town guy, and it's kind of found a niche here, and um, really enjoy what I'm doing. And um, you know, I think from a local standpoint, we've got a lot of good. I mean, with the OAC right next door to us in Ohio and Oregon and Heidelberg, and there's so many good schools around. Um, we've got a great area for talent that um, I wish we could just stay within a you know, 30-mile radius around Bluffton. Um, that would make my travel job a lot easier um, and be home a little bit more. But, you know, early on in my career, we really had to stretch out to, you know, to, to Detroit and Cincinnati and Columbus and try to find some kids to, you know, share a vision with us and come on board. Um, so I think when you win games um, and your season's improve and your program gets better, those local kids take you a little bit more seriously and um, show a little bit more interest. So I think it's helped us to attract a better quality kid from a talent standpoint. And um, that recognition is definitely important in, in helping to build our program. But without a doubt, you know, we got a great area. You clearly breathe this stuff, as it were, live and breathe it. Um, as I said, the bio is fun. I just want to kind of read it to everybody, uh, some parts that I find interesting. Sh- uh, Shuttler feels comfortable with the athletics department at Bluffton as he was a graduate assistant coach on the men's basketball team in 97 to 98 under current coach Guy Neal. Uh, during his first stint at Bluffton, he also served as a head men's and women's tennis coach. Uh, that certainly, you know, that's not uncommon in Division Three, but certainly uh, of note. Well, by the way, while you during your first year at Bluffton, you also served as an assistant coach on the boys' varsity basketball team, and he accepted it. Uh, let's see, what else was it? There was something about you. Oh, here it is. While attending Heidelberg, spent one season as a junior varsity boys basketball coach at Mahomet. Uh, I'm sorry, Mohawk High School. Uh, you, you love this coaching thing, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing it a long time. You know, <laughs> I look in the mirror, I still feel young, but um, I don't think it's any young anymore. But uh, yeah, we've been doing it a long time. I mean, since I was in college, so it's been you know 20 some years that uh, we've been at this and. Um, it's uh, it's something that you have to love and enjoy doing, and you know we found a place that, that, that we like and we think we can be successful at. And um, I still enjoy getting up for work every day and going in. It doesn't feel like work. You know, I've always thought if you can get out of bed and, and go to work every day and it doesn't feel like a job, boy, that's what you want to be doing. Um, and, and it sure feels like it. Winning helps that too, without a doubt. You know, there were some years that um, in my past that it, it was a struggle, but um, knowing that and, and hoping that perseverance and you know, commitment that things will pay off at the end of the road, and this is one of those years that it, it does feel good. You've got two-game lead on Rose Holman, three-game lead on Transylvania, and others. You've got seven games to play. I realize going undefeated is not necessarily a goal for you. I realize going undefeated is not necessarily a reality. The HCAC isn't that easy, as it were. Granted, Transylvania won 18-0 last season. But you do have that tough stretch ahead. So how do you keep the re- the goal realistic to the team? You know, it get to this point, sometimes a, a loss can be devastating because you thought, well, maybe you know we could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe we could finish right. undefeated. So let's just say a loss happens, or right. you know the chances are high just because you're you're going through the second round of the conference. Right. How do you yep. keep the players from kind of everything derailing just because you know the inevitable did happen? And you know what, we haven't even talked a whole lot about the the whole undefeated thing. You know, and I think. As a coach, you just got to try to strive on the little things and focus and, and, and engage their mind on where you're at today. Um, and what do we need to do to be successful today, tomorrow, um, in that next game? And uh, we try not to look too much down the road because when you do, I think that's when you end up stubbing your toe and you know um, losing sight of, of what your goal is. So 
every game we try to reestablish ourselves and what do we need to do in this game to be successful and not overlook anybody and try to be as humble as you can and um, outwork people and, and you know out tough people and, and do the little things that you need to do to be successful. So I think it's important, you know, and if a loss does happen at some point, we try to look at it as a good, you know, we've had plenty of losses in our background in my time here that um, you try to turn a loss into a, a positive how. Um, what did you do wrong and, and improve upon it and maybe it can make you better for the next game. So um, we'll try to keep that approach if that does happen. And, you know, it's, it's a grind and tough road games and conference tournaments and, you know, it, it, it's a possibility that's out there. But we try not to even – I don't even know that we have a goal that's set to go undefeated. But um, if it happens, it happens. If not, um, we'll keep you know moving forward. Well, congratulations on a terrific season. 18-0 and is certainly nothing too shabby, no matter how it finishes the rest of the way. I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, big road trip ahead with three and then three home and then one final one on the road against Hanover in your final seven here. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Oh, I just thanks for the opportunity. You know, it's always nice to get some recognition for your program and your kids, and um, this is what it's all about, you know, winding down, getting close to tournament time. And if you're a basketball junkie, this is a great time of year. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, this is when the family sees less and less of me, and coaches I know can relate to that. <laughs> Hey, well, thanks so much for coming on. Good luck the rest of the way. Looking forward to watching what the Beavers do the rest of the season. uh, And I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Chad Shuttler joining us here on Hoops. Appreciate it. As I said, taking the time. 18-0. Big games coming up. Rose Holman, Manchester, Transylvania on the road. Defiance, Anderson, Earlham at home before finishing against Hanover. That's the final seven. Uh, You know what? Hats off to the Beavers. It's awesome to see them up there. It's great to see the season they're having. Wish them nothing but the best. Didn't even touch on the fact that a lot of these games have been in hand by the time the game is over. When we come back, we'll head out to the NABC Coaches Corner. We'll head to Connecticut, talk Coast Guard, talk about challenges, recruiting, practice, schedules, etc. Coast Guard's got it. Learn just a little bit more with Coach Jaskowitz, who joins us here on Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the WBCA uh, let me try that again. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We'll have plenty more Hoopsville after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. 
Welcome back to Hoop Show, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Hope you're enjoying the show. You can always tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoops. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Of course, it all scrolls at the bottom of the screen. Of course, uh, we're supposed to do the Hoopsville Marathon today uh, due to that monster blizzard and some other factors. We've had to push it off to next week. If you're tuning in looking for the marathon, you're a little late to begin with. We would have started at 10 this morning, but nonetheless... Next Thursday, Hoopsville Marathon. Um, more on that at the end of the show as well. And more on the fundraiser at the end of the show as well. We've been alternating guests uh, today. Um, and, and what we mean by is men's, women's, men's, women's. We usually we kind of group them together. And it kind of times out perfectly that we, it's now time for our annual Thursday segment, which is the NABC Coaches Corner. I want to thank the National Association of Basketball Coaches for their support obviously with this programming and uh, the coaches corner has been around for a few years and we appreciate coaches who've been on it try and get a, a sense of something different what does a coach do off the court um, and maybe what are they involved in or in some cases like today learn a little bit more about a program that isn't your atypical division three program that program today coast guard uh, not as easy to get into as most schools and i don't want to say any school is easy but it's not your prototypical way of getting in they have restrictions and by the way it's not like they are basketball students uh at coast guard they are cadets and then they're basketball players and the basketball players certainly take a bit of a back seat no matter how much their coach would love to have otherwise certainly takes a man who's dedicated the sport to coach a men's team let alone a women's team so joining us on the hoopsville hotline the nabc coaches corner is coach kevin jaskowitz coach welcome to hoopsville sir Hey, Dave, thanks very much. I had you on beginning of last season when you guys were gearing up for a big game to start the year on ESPN uh, against Hampton City. We'll talk about that down the road. So obviously no no stranger to the show, but at the same time, thanks for joining me again. Yeah, no problem. And uh, great to be here for sure. Uh, we should point out that you know this is a, 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 a service academy slash uh, program that is that is just, it's got its challenges in the sense of it's not like you can just go out and recruit who you want, see if you can get them interested in your school and bring them in. There's a lot of hurdles, and I'd love to go over a lot of what you guys have to do, not only in the recruiting stage, but also in the uh, in the yearly day-to-day operations of the game. Uh, so talk more about that. We'll talk about your team a little bit, but I want to talk a lot about kind of well, why it, it is so unique to go to Coast Guard and how Coast Guard's a little bit different for Division Three. And I want to start with that recruiting because one of the things you mentioned to me before we started recording is that I didn't truly appreciate. And, you know, you hear it in the Navy and you hear it elsewhere that there's size requirements to being on certain ships. Like you can't be too tall to be on a submarine. Coast Guard has size requirements. You are never going to have that six foot ten guy ever in your post. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, um, and, you know, we understand that coming in. But yeah. That's a great example of that, and that's why you know most of our kids are going to be right around the six seven range, and you know six five to six seven. That's what you're going to see in our front court. And uh, but I think the challenges in terms of recruiting really stem from just uh, you've got to identify kids who have uh, thought about serving their country, and that's the same for the other service academies. That that thought has to be somewhere back in their head um, that they're you know it's there. Typically, our kids typically uh, will have some kind of connection to the military, not necessarily a connection to Coast Guard, but they'll have a connection to the military. My grandfather served. My uncle served, you know, in the Navy or something along those lines, typically. But every once in a while, you know, every once in a while we do get kids who come through. There's not a connection 
to the Coast Guard, but they are interested by the Coast Guard. Either there's been an admissions visit, um, you know, things of that nature. Could be, you know, some of them will say, "Well, I saw the movie The Guardian that had Kevin Costner in it, right?" So, and that kind of spurred uh, some kind of interest there. And and then we go and you know we develop, you know, and we try to develop that relationship, give them give them more information about the academy and and what we do here. How much is that a blind guess on your part? Show up to an event, you see guys you're interested in, or at least you know guys you're interested in, and you walk up and you have to gauge that on the spot, or how much of it do you kind of know going in? Right. You do both, to be honest with you, Dave, when you're going out. So you do your early research when you go out. um, You know, you're going out to to areas, uh, and you've already got an idea. You want to look at Dave. He's playing on court three. He's expressed an interest in us. So we, you know, we do both, and then we go out and, you know, we evaluate the player. We're like all the other programs in that sense, in that we go out and we evaluate the players. We like a player. We see a guy. You know, I'm down in Kentucky. We see a guy that we like. I see a guy that I like. I bring them, bring the names back, and then Bob and I will. My associate head coach Bob Bono will, will go through it, go through the list, and, and really dig into it and send out feelers and see. You know, and again, you know, you never know. The kid's grandfather or father may have been in the military, and it might be exactly what they're looking for. So. Yeah, I would say it's, you know, it's right along those lines. You go in with information, but certainly, you know, it's like an event like that in Kentucky and things of that nature. Certainly there are more kids there that you're not, you're not sure about, and, you know, you kind of just put your feelers out and see what, see what happens when you come back. This is going to sound like a strange question, but how much is it also related to the sign of the times or what is going on internationally or, or in the country? And I, I relate back to that incredible year you guys had in 07, 08. You know, that's a right. class that technically was in – early high school maybe, uh, when 9-11 took place. Yeah. And so maybe they have an urge to serve their country when they graduate right. high school. How much does that play a factor? I think you see two – I think there are two moments, particularly just in recent history for the Coast Guard. One of those, certainly 9-11, was one in, in where the Academy you know, really saw um, – kind of an explosion with the uh, in terms of interest, right? And so people getting interested and going, mm-hmm. we're, we're still all also only going to be so big, but in terms of interest and the number of apps. Right. And then I think uh, I know, you know, Katrina, uh, Hurricane Katrina, Coast Guard played a huge role in Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Um, you know, the commandant, uh, the commandant of the Coast Guard at the time, uh, we were at Malau, and he came in and, and really helped with the cleanup and, and did a lot of things there. And so there was high visibility there. I think any time any, any of the services you get you know, when there's when there is high visibility, then it, it spurs the interest. You know what I mean? And so that certainly, you know, it, it certainly helps. Um, you know, it certainly helps in terms of when you make that initial contact. You know, and a kid just saw, you know, something about Coast Guard on NBC News or something like that. Then it certainly helps. You know, kind of make that connection again if they don't have that. You know, they haven't had that thought in the back of their mind about serving their country. You would think all the programming on TV now of, uh, I can't remember what all the stations they're on, but do you see about right. two or three Coast Guard shows or you even see the Coast Guard featured on yep. stuff like Deadliest Catch might right. be helping you a little bit. Maybe so, maybe absolutely. too much is, or it's, uh, there's a line of having too much out there. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And it, it I mean, it certainly helps because you definitely will, you'll hear that, you know, especially again from the, from the kids who, haven't kind of thought about it you reach out to them they're like oh yeah i saw that show and yeah. so that helps any any kind of hook definitely helps it gets them interested and then our job is to you know get them here to the academy get them to new london connecticut get them to the academy and see everything you know that uh, that we do here um 
but it definitely helps. And any kind of, you know, anything that they can see that they can make that connection to the academy definitely helps. Uh, obviously, with, with other institutions, West Point, uh, Navy, obviously all D1s, and so a little bit different yep. here. But the way they're set yep. up, you, it's not as easy as just walking in the doors, putting up your application, and being accepted like every other college in the world or not accepted. Um, right. You know, you need a congressional uh, note or letter basically endorsing your, your application. That's even true with the Merchant Marine. Um, right. But you guys are a little bit different in that case. Right, yeah. We, we don't require the congressional nomination here. So, you, you know, we're, so we're like our neighbor, Connecticut College, and that you apply and go through the admissions process. Um, you know, and, and so that, I think that definitely helps, you know, us in terms of our recruiting efforts for sure um, in that it's, you know, one less hurdle to try to, you know, try to get over uh, as you go through. And in, in terms of our application process, there's, you know, there's the academic part and then there's the physical part. You have to take a, you have to sure. submit a physical fitness test and then you also have to submit, um, you know, then you have to go through the medical test. You have to be cleared medically and sure. go through, you know, go through that, those things. So our process does tend to be a little longer than, you know, if you were applying next door to Connecticut College, something like that. Well, and certainly an applicant could could be dismissed for those reasons. Granted, you're looking at basketball yep. athletes nine times out of ten. I'm sure the the physical the physical test or the physical right. itself and it doesn't necessarily uh, end up being a, a problem for you guys. But it's just it is that extra step. And then on top right. of that, they're making a commitment here. Yeah, they're making a five-year commitment, uh, you know, five-year commitment to serve, you know. And so that's why when I, um, you, you know, and it's really, you know, when you look at it, it's really a nine-year commitment because yeah. when they're here, you know, when they're here, they're they're in the Coast Guard, and, and you uh, captured it accurately. They're, they're cadets who play basketball. My guys are cadets who play basketball, um, and they're going through the academy, and, um, you know, and the, and the goal is that, you know, it's a 200-week process and in the, that goal is that they become you know the most important thing is that they become commissioned officers in the coast guard so <clears throat> excuse me um that's you know that's all part of it you know what i mean and and we we give you know in basketball plays a is you know a little two-hour refuge uh from you know all the other responsibilities that they have going on here at the academy thank you for the nice transition i was going to mention the other caveat for you is you pretty much know when your practice times are going to be yeah. They get an activity period between four and six. You said before air that you can certainly adjust accordingly. You can go a little later if you need to. You can also file to, to have practices at a different time on top of that. Um, but another caveat that I didn't even think of till you brought it up was the simple fact that, yeah, you've got that four to six window. So does the women's basketball team. Uh, that that yeah. makes it interesting for everybody. Yeah, it does. You know, and, and um, we – coordinate Alex Ivanchek and, and myself we coordinate on a daily basis in terms of practice time and you know moving uh, from a side court to the main court and going back and forth and do those things and we we you know we'll meet with our schedules uh, you know on a monthly basis we you know pre-planning uh, practice schedule plannings back in August and you know we plan it out really work hard to to try to minimize as uh, you know the times that we are sharing uh, the gym um, so you know, it's all it's all part of it. You know, and again, it's different. You know, I was coming from my experience in Division One in the Ivy League, and you know, when you say share the gym, it's like, yeah, we have it from four to six, and then the women have it from six to eight. You know, what I mean, we right. it's a different experience. You know, it's, that's different here, but again, we make it work, and and it's all about what's you know, it's all about what's best for the cadets. And then the other thing that uh, that I thought of too is, listen, you know, a lot of coaches be like, hey, listen, in your off time. 
Uh, get together. Make sure you guys are running these drills. If you can do this, if you guys decide to play up some pickup, or hey, this summer when you when you guys are getting a chance to work out, make sure you're you know you're shooting X amount of free throws and you're doing this many blah 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 blah. Uh, your guys are serving on ships or they're serving at stations. Your guys don't necessarily have the time to go pick up a basketball and just shoot around the gym, especially out of season. It's not like they can just get the guys together and go down to the gym and just play. Um, you, you kind of have a, a, a challenge there where they're not getting as much practice time outside of season as everybody else is. Right, yeah. And so our kids, our summers are, are you know, 12 of the 15 weeks for the summer. <clears throat> they're serving. It's kind of their internships, right? They're learning more about yeah. Coast Guard. Uh, they're doing things of that nature. So 12 of the weeks they're, uh, they're serving their country, and then the other three weeks they're on leave. So, yeah, when, when they all come back in August is the first time that they'll all be back together again from when they leave in May. Um, so, that's, yeah, that's part of the challenge um, in, terms of, you know, in terms of that. But, again, our, our goal, our focus is to make sure that they become, you know, commissioned officers in the Coast Guard. That's all part of, you know, part of the process. And it's also, you know, the reason, Dave, I tell kids right up front when we're recruiting them and, and the you know, the kid is showing interest in us. And I said, look, the most important thing is that you decide to the Coast Guard because you want to be in the Coast Guard. You want to be a commissioned officer in the Coast Guard. It can't be because you like our uniforms. It can't <laughs> be because you like the conference, you know, and the competition in the conference. Sure. It can't be any of those things. you got to be – you have to – want to be an officer in the Coast Guard because that's what you're going to do. You know, for the next nine years, everything you're doing is geared towards that. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, you got to yeah. make a commitment, a, a bigger commitment right. than just your education. Correct. Um, yep, absolutely. You're willing to yeah. travel the, the world, essentially. Uh, if people may yep. not realize, Coast Guard has... I have I have a friend whose husband is serving in, in the Netherlands right now in the Coast Correct. Guard. Correct. Uh, yep. You know, yep. there, are, there, are, there, are, there are deployments everywhere. <laughs> may not be on a ship yep. necessarily. Uh, yeah. And you may be in some very boring locations too. Yeah, on top uh, of it, sure. Yeah, on top of it all, it's not all excitement like you might see on TV. Um, right. <laughs> and all of that is interesting stuff. And none of that is an excuse. I know you well enough. I know the program yeah. well enough. I know your AD well enough to know yeah. none of that's an excuse. You guys still want to go out there and win. Uh, and obviously, after that 08 campaign, Commandant is there at the Elite Eight game. Yep, uh, basket. I mean, you were there. I was there. Yep. Ball couldn't get any further down the rim exactly. uh, without <laughs> going through to win a game to go to the Final Four. Uh, right. Unfortunately, losing to Ursinus in overtime. I know you guys want to get back to that. It's yeah. been a struggle. I know it yeah. has been. Yeah. What can be the turnaround for you guys? Oh, I think it's just, you know, you continue to work hard and, and – just what we were talking about, um, you know, the the television shows, the exposure that the Coast Guard is getting now, it's um, it certainly has made you know recruiting um, easier. Going out and making those contacts, it's made it easier, and we have a, a lot of great things in place here at the academy, and um, uh, you know, and we're we're working hard towards you know working hard towards all those goals, and so we're uh, you know I think we're really in that those the early stages of that renaissance and that rebirth, you know, in terms of the program. But, you know, again, we play in a, you know, in one of the best conferences in the country and we played one of the top teams last night in the country. Yep. And, um, you know, and, and the, on Sunday, two days before that, we were playing, you know, Babson who's got one of the top players in the country and one of the top coaches in the country and, you know, pushing them to overtime. And so, um, yeah, 
we want to that level. That's where we want to be. You know, I was uh, a part of a Final Four team in, in 1999 with Connecticut College. I was on the bench, as you said, in, in 2008. I know that it can be done, and and uh, we're working hard to identify. You know, the, just when you talk about the recruiting, we're uh, you know working hard to identify those those guys uh, that a you know can um, that have an interest in serving their country, but also b you know can can perform at a you know at a very high level because that's what it's required with the competition that we're playing against, particularly in conference. We should point out, by the way, uh, you guys, that 08 campaign, finished second in the conference with a 7-5 and five record, right. uh, four games behind WPI, who won the conference, tied with yeah. Clark, who was 12-13. and 13. It wasn't like the NUMAC was as good as it was now. Right. Um, yeah. and, but you, and you still made that run uh, to the lead eight. It was a magical run, to say the least. Tell us a little about, a bit about the team before we get back to the – uh, to to the program and such in a general sense, but tell us a little bit about this team. Obviously, you have um, players from all over the place: yeah. uh, Florida, Georgia, <laughs> Kentucky, Idaho, Pennsylvania, Missouri, Bahamas, North Carolina, Illinois, Venezuela, Ohio. If anyone noticed, I did not repeat a location. Um, <laughs> again, all over the place. The one that surprises me, I think, the most would be Venezuela. Right, and Ricky. So Ricky Rodriguez is from uh, you know Venezuela and. One of the unique things is you don't have to be uh, a natural-born citizen to serve in the Coast Guard. You have to be an American citizen. Interesting. So, um, so that's where that one come, usually comes up with Ricky. Uh, you can also have international students if they're if they're sponsored. So they're, if they're sending country sponsors, gotcha. you could have an inter- international student as well. So that's particularly uh, unique. But yeah, we have you know certainly have uh, geodiversity when you look at all over. You know, like you said, we're we're all over the country, and um, you know, and that's unique. And you know, this year's group is uh, you know young six six of the eleven guys are are third class, which are sophomores for us. Excuse me, or fourth class with the freshmen. So more than half the team is, you know, has or hasn't even finished playing two years of college basketball. And uh, you know, we're we're getting up and down the floor. Uh, last time I checked, we were second in the conference in scoring, almost eighty a game, and um, uh, doing a lot of good things. You know, doing a lot of good things, and and uh, working hard now towards you know we've got that last seven game push, second half of the new max season, and working hard, uh, you know, to try to make that push to try to get into that new Mac tournament that you were talking about back in 08, you know, all the teams made it and, and now you've qualified. You've got to be, a, yeah. the, they only take the top five now. So yeah. with eight teams in, we've got to take the top five and, you know, the bottom part of the league right now, there's four teams that have a two and five, four teams that have a two and five record right now. So we've got to, uh, you know, we've got to make this, we've got to make this push, you know, starting Saturday, seven games left and second time through the league, we've got to make that push hard. Uh, Kevin Alvarez leading the team, the senior, the first-class yeah. uh, uh, member, uh, 18 points a game, roughly, uh, yeah. 17.9. He's four and a half rebounds, yeah. three assists a game. Um, and then you've got the, those underclassmen, as you point out. Ethan, uh, is it yeah. Boos? Boos, yeah. Boos. Yeah. Uh, Micah Baldez, uh, Darius yeah. Adams, all sophomores, 15, 11 yeah. and a half, and eight and a half points a game, respectively. Um, yeah. And so, obviously, a, a young squad here. How much – I mentioned guys were there. How much did this crew – uh, take in um, from that experience against Hamden Sydney on ESPN, and how much is that game still resonating for you guys a, a year and a half later? Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly early when we, you know, getting back, and then early in the recruiting process for the group that we're involved with now. Certainly, uh, you would hear that frequently. So we talk about the exposure, and your kids would say, "Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw you guys on uh, there." And uh, you know, I remember when that was going down. So it's certainly that 
great life experience for our kids. We still talk about, you know, we still talk about the the experience. Uh, we were just talking last night about the experience being down there. You, you mentioned Kevin and, um, you know, part of the unique part about being at Coast Guard and, and is that, you know, I'm one of the few coaches in the country that can guarantee a recruit a job, right? Because I know if you graduate from the academy, you have a job. <laughs> and, and I know that you're going to have a job for the next five years. <laughs> yeah. and, and Kevin was talking about, Kevin Alvarez was talking about going to, you know, one of the stations he put in for was trying to get back to Puerto Rico. Hmm. You know what I mean? And, and a big part of that was the fact that we had gone out to Barankin, uh, you know, the year earlier. So um, it's a big, you know, it certainly uh, was a great life experience for those guys. And, and uh, it helped a lot of my younger players, to be quite honest with you. Uh, my younger players uh, just got to see a whole different place. And they were like, wow, this, this sure. is, you know, really what Coast Guard is about. Yeah. Uh, so because the fourth-class kids who come in, they just see the academy. They don't sure. see the stations. You know what I mean? So that had a big impact on those guys, for sure. <laughs> of course, at the same time, by the end of this, they're all like, yeah, we were on a station. You know, whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. Hamden Sydney was a whole different experience right. uh, for yeah. them. Hey, give me your uh, before I let you go. I, I obviously have the questions ahead, but really quick, br- give me your breakdown of this new Mac. Uh, WPI leading the way though, tied with Babson at six and one. Uh, MIT's right. at five and two. Springfield lurking at three and four. Then it's Wheaton, yeah. Coast Guard, Emerson, and Clark all at two and yeah. five. Yeah, but you know, just uh, just so competitive. Uh, you know, we we joke the coaches. We joke. You know, the, the NEW stands for no easy wins in the new Mac. You know, I mean, just <laughs> yeah. really. I mean, if you look at it, Clark <clears throat> Clark uh, pushed WPI. WPI had to beat him at the buzzer. We take Babs into overtime. Emerson goes in zero and five and beats MIT. So that's one of MIT's losses at MIT. Just really competitive. Kind of reminds me of the old days of the Big East. You know, when the Big East first kind of started to form. You know, it was just. Uh, just you know, a real slugfest. Every night's a slugfest, and you got to be prepared, and got to be ready to go. And I think that's the you know the big thing um, you know this year. So uh, just really competitive. Seven games left, uh, and it's still not a lot you know really determined yet. Um, so I think everybody's excited about that and getting ready to make the push. Should point out, Coast Guard, the second highest scoring team in the conference, both in conference games and overall Babson is number one in that category. Coach, if you don't mind, we always, in the NABC Coaches Corner, ask the coach a few questions that we ask all the coaches, so they're all the same, so we get to hear kind of different points of view on, if you don't mind having a little fun with us. Absolutely. What's the best part of coaching, and considering you have coached in all the levels, best part of coaching in Division Three? Uh, I think the best part of coaching in Division that's a great question. I would say just the development, the time you get to spend with your athletes, uh, the development part, you know, that you can see them, develop as young men, that you can help develop them as young men. And, you know, here we, we help develop them as leaders as well, because that's part of our job. Um, and so just the overall, uh, the overall interaction that you get to have with your kids and, um, you know, on a daily basis. You know, I also teach here sure. at the academy, so there's sometimes I have them in my classes as well. And to me, that's the best part. That's the best part is, is being able to, you know, contribute to their development as young men. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve as a coach? As a coach, period. As a coach, uh, there's never enough practice time. No matter how much <laughs> that's time going you get, from that's going from a different time. point of view with you completely. <laughs> uh, that that would be it. There's never enough practice time. But it, I would say that even if we could practice from four to midnight, you know what I, mean? <laughs> I can see that too. Um, obviously, with a lot of rule changes this year, this one's a little bit a little bit different than we've asked it in years past. But is there a rule or a nuance of the game that you love? 
a rule. A rule or, or a, a nuance. nuance. Is there maybe even just a nuance? It doesn't have to necessarily be a rule, but something about the game that maybe isn't truly appreciated that you just kind of love, you know, kind of seeing. I can seeing. tell you this. this. This is what I love. I, I really do love it. Um, for me, and this is the beauty of the game, and, and it's, it's kind of a cliche, but it really is, is when you get a perfectly executed improvised play. You know what I mean by that? So there's, there's, it's the right reaction. It's not something that you necessarily could draw up, but it's the right reaction by your kids, whether it be offensively or defensively, but it's them executing it. They recognize the play and they execute it appropriately. That's to me, that's the beauty of the game. That's quite honest with you. You I know what you're saying. A backdoor cut that wasn't necessarily in the playbook, but just happened to show itself. Right. Exactly. Nice. And that, to me, shows the learning, right? That shows the learning because you didn't have to, you know, it wasn't predetermined. It wasn't scripted. And they it takes a few people's, it, and it takes a few people to have their brains in the same, in the same correct. area to understand yeah. that, that that's cool. Correct. Uh, correct. Is there any rule in the game that you'd like to see changed or removed? Yeah, absolutely. The, here's the rule I would like to see changed. I think the forearm in the back in the post is a good thing. I have no problem doing that. Um, you know, for them, I'm, I'm in full support of that. I would like to see, I would like to see uh, the committee consider allowing the, you know, the bent forearm for guarding the dribbler. I think we've made it too hard on perimeter defenders, being an old perimeter defender. But <laughs> I think we made it too hard on perimeter defenders to be able to guard, particularly off the dribble. You know, okay. so so I think that you want to see the uh, bent arm come back on the guard. I'd like to see it because you can see it as soon as it extends. That's an easy whistle to call, right? As soon as you see the, the extension. You'd think, but, but how many times did that not get called? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> but I just, that, that's what I would like to see. Sure. I just think we've made it too hard for the perimeter guys to, to defend. And so, it, you know, especially early in the year, you were getting this inordinate amount of free throws being shot. And it was simply for a play there where a guy just drove into you, threw the ball up, there was contact. And they went, oh, foul, because there's contact. You know, there's foul. So sure. that, that's that's just my – but I tend to look at the game, even though my team's second in the conference in scoring, I tend to look at the game, you know, from a bit of a defensive Oh, sure, sure. Uh, I forgot to check with this on uh, – but the question reads, uh, wife or friend. So I don't know if you have a wife, significant other, or a friend. I just don't know you that well. Uh, okay. But um, if you do have – or somebody who knows you really well – what would they yeah. say that if they watch you on the on the on the sideline? Would they want you to see change on the bench as a coach? <laughs> my wife would probably tell me to uh, keep my jacket on. She'd probably <laughs> tell me to keep my jacket on because <laughs> I'm always <laughs> taking it off. Um, and it's just you know the gym gets warm and, yeah, and uh, sure. I roll my sleeves up and I want to roll my sleeves up and and get into it. Um, I, I think that's what my wife would. You okay. know, my wife would say. We've been together a long time. My wife and I have been together since high school. So wow. We've been together a long time. That's so awesome. She would, yeah, she would know. I, <laughs> that's for sure. I, I so. thought you were married, but I certainly didn't want to make that assumption. No, uh, no, no. Yeah, and I think I think she definitely would say. I think she would definitely say, just leave your jacket on. You know, we. You know, she goes out of out of her way to. Pick out uh, nice. my sport coats and things like that. So like, leave it on. Uh, however, on the flip side of that, what would your assistants want to see you change? Oh, that's a great question. It really is. Uh, boy, oh, boy. Um, you know, my, uh, I don't know if, and if you know this, Dave, but my associate head coach coached me in high school. Really? So Bob Bono was my high school coach. Yeah. So that's cool. Me 
Oh, uh, he's known me a little bit longer than my wife has. You know what I mean? Like, he's known me since I was 14. So I'm sure he's got a huge list of things uh, that he would like to see, uh, that he would like to see me change. Um, I, I really, that's a great question. I, w- I would love to ask them, and maybe I could text that back to you. That's <laughs> fine. Go right ahead. Uh, we got to get this added to the bio, though, that it says that he coached you in high school. We got to get that yeah, added yeah. to the bio. Yeah, what, is there anything you can say to a referee that will get your point across and walks right up to the point where you might deserve a tee, but you don't quite get it? You know what I'm saying? Is I there think, something you yeah. can kind of just get into a ref's head by stepping on the line but not crossing it? You know, so I'll, I'll tell you what my I think, I think, I, I'll say, I think has been most effective with me. I'll say to a, I may say to an official that, you know, I've done this. I've said to an official, you know, I'd be like, hey, you know, that's a foul there. And the referee will sometimes ask me, you, you know, you think it was foul? And I'll say, you know, and I'll say to them these two things. I'll either say, well, I know that if it happened to you, you would have won a call against you. Huh. So I think that gets your point across, right? Or I'll say, well, the only thing else I'll tell you is if, if we were playing pickup out here, you know, I would have called it. I would have called that foul. We were playing pickup, so if it should have been called in a pickup game, you guys probably should have called it. Wow. I've, I've used those two things, and I haven't got – and I've said it just like I'm saying it to you, you know what I mean? And just that's just – I'm just trying to make my point. Okay. Just, just what you're saying, just trying to make my sure. point. I've used that, and I haven't got hit with it. Um, you know, I haven't got hit with one. So I that's what I would use as that's, my example. Probably I think, as I think close the referees as, get your point. There. That is probably close as you can get. Yeah. Um, and then finally, finally, when you retire, because all all coaches retire, absolutely. Uh, what do you hope people remember you as a coach? Uh, that's a great question. I hope they, I you know, I I hope they remember me as a guy who, you know, was passionate about the game, passionate about his players, uh, who taught his players. You know, every day in practice was an opportunity to teach. That's what I hope they said about me. To be quite honest with you. That's very good. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us here in the NABC Coaches Corner. We went a little over time, but that's the fun of it all. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I just want to uh, thank you, Dave, for the opportunity to talk to you about this. And uh, you know, and it's a it's a terrific topic because we are, you know, we are unique. The academy is unique, and all the academies are unique. And uh, you know, the young and, uh, men and women who who go to these service academies, they're they're serving their country, and so this is a great opportunity to. Uh, to you know, get that out there, to get their story out there. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to chatting, chatting with you and keeping up with Coast Guard down the road. All right, Dave. Thanks. Kevin Jaskowitz joining us here on Hoopsville. Team is uh, on the road uh, the next couple. Uh, I should say, no, they're home against Wheaton of Massachusetts. Then they're on the road against Clark and MIT in the next three games. Keep an eye on the Coast Guard. Interesting point of view. Not your prototypical Division Three program. Certainly has had its success. Love to see the Bears. Uh, rise to the top again, though, certainly in a tough conference. When we come back, we'll switch gears again. We'll go take a bus trip from uh, the coast of Cal- uh, Connecticut, I should say, and we'll head up to uh, central New York. It's all St. John Fisher women's basketball. What are the Cardinals up to? We'll find out from their head coach. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville right after this. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. 
I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe student athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Welcome back to Hoopsville. This is Danielle Donahue, Executive Director of the WBCA. And we are a proud, proud partner and very excited about all the future broadcasts. Here's Dave. And welcome back to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Uh, if you've got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. As we had said earlier in the show, we were kind of doing something different. Usually we kind of group our interviews together, at least two men's and then two women's or all of our women's and then all of our men's or whatever the case may be in terms of our guests. Today, just for the heck of it, no particular reason, maybe because we're not doing the marathon today, I decided we'd just shake it up and we're alternating all of the interviews today. We'll just see how it works out. Uh, so we've we've done a we've alternated so far. We just had the NABC coaches corner, uh, and now we're moving on to back to some women's basketball. And we're going from Connecticut. We're moving into upstate New York uh, and talking women's basketball there in the Empire Eight. It certainly has been interesting in the entire central to upstate New York, even western New York region, in terms of winning women's basketball. But if you look at the Empire Eight, there is a fascinating race taking shape. St. John Fisher and Stevens tied atop the rankings. Ithaca, Nazareth, just a few games back in the loss column, uh, one game back in the win column. Uh, it, all four of those teams, double-digit wins already this season, certainly shaping up to not only be a great race for number one, but a great race for those top four spots. So we figured we'd better talk some uh, Empire 8 basketball. Why not take on one of the teams at the top? And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is St. John Fisher women's basketball coach Marianne O'Connor Ermy. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, 14 and 2, 7 and 0 in Empire 8 play. We'll talk about the two losses. We'll talk about the Empire 8 in, in a moment. But overall, uh, you got to be thrilled with this season. Yes, we're all very thrilled. Uh, uh, last year we started and we gained a lot of confidence as the uh, season went on, and we're lucky enough to get uh, you know uh, the Empire Eight uh, Conference Championship game and had a great thrilling win against Ithaca on their home court in overtime and kind of catapulted us into the NCAA tournament. Uh, we've had quite a quite a, a tradition here at St. John Fisher. Um, and it's nice to get back to the NCAA, and, it, and uh, with 10 returners from last year, gave us a lot of fuel and a lot of confidence uh, going into the season, um, and the girls buy into what we're trying to do, and it's uh, been a great run so far, and we're hoping to keep it going tomorrow. 
Yeah, I mean, last season, 22-7 and seven on the year. You make it, you win the, the Empire 8 title for the first time since 06. You get to the NCAA tournament, beat Skidmore in the first round. Unfortunately, ran into a pretty darn good tough squad. Uh, but that was a close game, to say the least. Um, almost got uh, almost got into it, uh, in, into the next round, I should say. And you built mm-hmm. from that. And listen, you've never had any bad teams. You know, the worst you guys might do is about 500 or slightly under 500, 11 and 15 back in 2012 you but you've been building since then you know 12 and 4 the following year 16 and 10 and 14 22 and 7 last year now you're 14 and 2 this feels like you've been building this momentum for a long time well the coaching staff here uh, has done a really good job of of getting young ladies here that'll buy into our system we play a lot of pressure defense and a lot of our offense comes from our defense uh, we, you know, we value the ball on the offensive end. We're, you know, up in the, um, in the some of the rankings for top uh, ten for our turnovers and turnover margin. So that yeah. the girls take great pride in taking care of the ball as well as, uh, you know, our steals. MK obviously is one of our seniors uh, that's heading the way and has for the last four years and has uh, done the same and taken the reins, you know, by the by the reins and uh, let let our team so far this year. Uh, you know, we couldn't ask more from her and Bridget and and Claire. Seniors. What's really interesting, you started the season, was it 5-0? and First five games, you got wins. New Jersey City, Rutgers, Newark, Wells, Union, and Brockport <laughs> State. Of course, the Brockport State game was the opening of the uh, uh, Wendy's Classic. Then you ran into D2 Roberts Wesleyan, lost by 14, then ran into Rochester uh, in that next game, which I got to see. Um, and unfortunately, I think I saw that one. Actually, I can't remember which games I've seen now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Up there at the Wendy's Classic, <laughs> they run, they're all they a blur. They run together, right? Yeah, it was at Rochester. I had to have seen it. <laughs> there we yeah, go. There's our yeah. answer. Uh, they all do run together, uh, especially when you see four in one day. But you, you lose that <laughs> one. Unfortunately, those two games weren't close. But that's the interesting nope. part is those two losses, you weren't close. You've won every other game, and it was just those back-to-back games that you guys ran into a hiccup. It, what, what was it about those sets of games? What was it about the rest of the season that's been so different? Well, I think our our team has a like I said with the ten returners, we've gone through kind of a little bit of a seasoning. Um, last year, we went through a couple hiccups last year, um, losing to Nazareth, which we you know that was a tough game at their place, and uh, you know losing to Stevens and Ithaca, and all those games you know help us um, develop you know and how how to you know, learn through losing, obviously. It's not something a coach likes to do when you're losing. Obviously, that's not something we preach here. But, you know, obviously, if we're trying to get better every day in practice after that, you know, on both ends of the court, uh, that's definitely we're tr- something we're trying to do. And the girls have bought into that. We don't usually play anybody over 30 minutes, so we have a nice depth um, this year. So, you know, it doesn't we don't really fall off, you know, 1 through 14. And it's, uh, you know, a coach's dream to have that, you know, pleasure of going down and just, putting whoever in there and they all played well together on and off the court um, which makes practice um, very competitive as well as uh, you know a lot of good times off the court as well. Well what's interesting is after those two games you've been on a tear you won nine straight uh, started with a big win over Fredonia State uh, then you beat Madai and Elmira and Houghton obviously in conference this is all in conference at this point and on moving on um, mm-hmm. interestingly if you, you you have Stevens coming up in back to back, well, no, it's a misprint on my script here. But you have script, Stevens coming up in a game. You haven't faced them yet this season. You've got right. them to finish the season. So you've got all this momentum, and now we run into that big game in conference. How do you how do you get this team kind of prepared for what they've got coming up? Well, we're trying to take 
you know, every game, one game at a time. We've taken that attitude from the beginning of the season. I know it's probably cliche, but uh, the girls have really bought into that. I don't, well, you know, it is. But if we play our our game and play defensively the way we want to play and, you know, pressure pressure the other team for 40 minutes, and good things are going to happen. Um, of course, the, the Stevens game, we should point out, was postponed from earlier in the yep. season uh, due to weather. Um, and obviously th- that plays a major role here. So you, you kind of postponed the game, but you had a an extra bit of time off. Was that in, in, in itself a little bit more beneficial? Um, I think, you know, probably in what I, we would have liked to have gotten the game in just because it, then we would have had, well, it, I mean, six half dozen ones on the other. So, I mean, you gotta, <laughs> we got to play everybody in the conference twice. And right. uh, like I say, every, every game is big because, you know, you got to keep winning if you want to get back to that NCAA. And they got the taste of it last year. Um, and the girls want to go back and, and repeat as the, you know, the Empire A champs and, um, you know, get back to the NCAA tournament. So that's, a, you know, a good motivational tool for us. Another interesting factor is you. I think, if I read correctly, you've been in a majority, if not all, of the of the uh, of the conference title games since you came on board as head coach. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter the season you're having. Your team seems to peak at just the right time of the year. Yes. Well, we do we do our scheduling so that we you know try to you know we went to to California as a as a bonding trip last year, but we had a couple of young ladies from uh, out west coast mm-hmm. and, and did that. You know we. To played some, you know, some tougher teams and playing in the Wendy's tournament, playing against, you know, Division Two and, you know, obviously U of R is very talented this year. Um, you know, he does a good job over there. So um, anything that we can make these girls in prepared and it is a process from the beginning. That's what we continue to talk to them about. You know, it being a process, just like in the game, we you know try to wear people down, and it's a process from the beginning of the game to the end, just like the season. Uh, talking to Mariano O'Connor Ermy, head coach of St. John Fisher. Team is fourteen and two on the season, seven and zero in the Empire Eight big first place game coming up against Stevens, who's also seven and zero in the conference coming up here on Friday. Uh, you'll then uh, be at home against Ithaca. You kind of alternate your home and away games, and you have most of the season. You're actually in the midst of a three game road trip that'll be made up with a three game home stretch at the end of the season when you play Haunton, uh, Hartwick, and Stevens to finish things off. Um, mm-hmm. What's what is it about this conference? We we started this segment by mentioning there's four teams basically uh, above 500 with double digit uh, wins so far in the season who are within basically a win in the win column. Um, mm-hmm. You guys and Stevens at seven and zero, Ithaca six and two, Nazareth six and three. Doesn't mean Hartwick's not in the mix at five and four as well, but they're you know they're lurking. What is it about the top of this conference this season that's making it so difficult? And can you guys you know maybe muster a second or even third team into the tournament? Do you think? Well, we're going to keep playing as hard as we can on our end to keep that. But, you know, obviously Stevens is playing very well. I mean, they are they have five losses, but three of them are two, you know, ranked teams. So uh, that's, you know, that's a little misleading. And Ithaca, they've played, they always have a tough schedule, a non-conference schedule at the beginning of the year also. So he does that purposely just like we try to do too. Um, and, you know, Dan does a good job over there. And, and, you know, he has his girls ready for the end of the season too. Nazareth's a very seasoned team. You know, they we had tough tough game we were lucky to get out of there it's always a tough place to play over at nazareth um obviously being a rival game also um and being you know a mile up the road and uh they also have uh six seven seniors on their team which uh you know makes it uh, very difficult because they've played together for a very long time uh looking at this squad you have three seniors and and when you talk about the cardinals you cannot talk about them without mentioning mary kate mary kate cusack uh nearly 1400 career points 
uh, 223s, which is top 20. She's t- Norm, your SID said top 20 in, in steals. I went and looked it up. She's yes. 22nd, which is incredible. Uh, 58 yes. steals this season. She's also uh, steals per game 13th in the country at nearly four a game. Free throw mm-hmm. percentage, she's 14th in the country at 87.1% of the game. There's nothing about her that doesn't drive the ship for you guys. No, yes. I mean, we've been very, very fortunate. Uh, we say it every day or every time we have to do a scout. It's, you know, we're glad we're not having to do the scout with MK in mind and be on the other side because <laughs> she's a she's a, a very difficult person to scout. Um, you know, she's very tough on the girls in practice. She she leads by example. She works hard every day in practice, and her basketball IQ, basketball IQ is off the chart. Um, she. She is like a coach on the court. Um, she wants to win as much as, if not more, than everybody else. Uh, her and I kid about that all the time. Um, you know, who wants to win more? I don't know. Both both of us are up there pretty high. So well, we push each other pretty pretty uh, pretty much. But she's uh, you know she's like the you know the engine on our on our train right now. And uh, she's uh, you know like I said, leading by example and leading the way with uh, with a lot of uh, confidence. And uh, the other girls following her right along with her. And she's been nationally ranked. Uh, in the last three years in at least three categories. It's certainly Mm -hmm. impressive to see. She obviously drives the ship, but what's interesting is she's not the leader. I mean, obviously she's the leader in scoring, 14.7 points and 4.1 rebounds on top of that, but she's not the only leader. Um, You have uh, Emily, uh, I'm going to try and get this right, Pizan... Pizan... See, I knew I was going to screw it up. That's okay, Piazzantini. Piazzantini, I can't even read my own notes. Piazzantini, at 9.5 points a game, uh, also hands out a, a heck of a, lot, a number of assists as well. Shoots mm-hmm. pretty well from um, the floor. You've got Bridget Carney, another senior, 9.3 points a game, 5.3 rebounds a game. Uh, those three, obviously, are, are your kind of double-digit ones. And then you have a few other ones on top of that. Bizon, uh, Mackenzie Bizon at 7.2 points a game, and Carolyn Robertson at 7.1. You also have 6.9 um, from Maria uh, Keller. You, you, you're getting more... You're getting more contributions, I should say, than just from MK. But obviously the focus on the defense has to be on MK. So how do you guys offset that? Well, I think that's the the great thing about her and uh, about our team is that she she really if she if she's being you know double teamed or they're playing box one on her you know she'll she takes as just much pride in you know going to the basket and getting to the foul line or or you know stealing the ball or not turning the ball over and getting everybody else involved getting the assist so we've got a a good group of girls who gets along very well on and off the court um, they share the ball very well um, you know we talk about that a lot um, every day in practice. And they've bought into it, so it's very nice, you know, to have. We try to get, you know, have young, three or four young ladies on the on the team, uh, in double figures every game. So that makes it very difficult for people to guard us. Um, we have a lot of different weapons, and they do a lot of different things. So uh, we've been very fortunate this year. Uh, we enjoy going to practice a lot as coaches. Makes <laughs> it a lot. Like I said, it's very competitive, uh, but it makes those girls better every day in practice. So um, we're very lucky as coaches to have these young ladies. Um, they're great. You know, they're great uh, role models for student-athletes across the board, and, um, you know, we're very proud of them. How often do you see a boxing one? Oh, 
not too often because we, I, I mean, we did a couple of times earlier in the season, but they, you know, she, you know, she goes by him. So, you know, <laughs> we figure, we figure it out and get her off the ball. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of different stuff. So, um, and she's pretty creative with her play on the court. So, um, like I said, we're very fortunate to have her and we're going to be, we're going to miss her next year. Sure. Very much. I, I, I asked that because I just don't know how often I've seen a box in one anymore utilized. Mm-hmm. I think people mm-hmm. talk about it often, but I don't tend to end up seeing it as much or it's being disguised maybe better than I can spot it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you're an alum of St. John Fisher. You bleed red. <laughs> well, so does everybody else, but you have a little bit of tint of yellow in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a Hall of Fame member from 2008. You are an assist- You were an assistant coach there for, was it, have you been there 23 years or you were an assistant for 23 years before taking over as head coach? Um, I was assistant here. Ahead. Well, I was it, as soon as I got done playing here, right. I, I was part-time assistant, and then I was full-time assistant, and then I took over when Coach Kaler ended right. up um, retiring. So yeah. obviously, Ka- Coach Kaler, uh, uh, synonymous with with Division three basketball, one of the top uh, when he retired. You're the only the second head coach at St. John Fisher. I think that's the part that amazes me so much. He did so well there and was there for so long uh, that they haven't had to have any other coach. And then mm-hmm. you step in and you were under him for so long. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether it be a player, or an assistant, it almost feels like this has been a very seamless transition. Uh, granted, it's been eight years, but still a yeah. seamless transition, and and has kept St. John Fisher kind of uh, on the same path for a long time. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, PK, who we referred to Coach Kaler, um, <laughs> you know, he 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 led the way and, and gave me a a great basis for my coaching. Um, you know, obviously that the games changed and the athletes have changed a little bit, so we've had to change our our game, but you know our uh, desire to win and, you know, have great tradition here and get back to the NCAA and, you know, produce quality student athletes here at St. John Fisher has obviously been spearheaded by him, um, you know, way back in the day and then, uh, you know, continued by myself. And I've been very fortunate to have, you know, a lot of student athletes that have decided to come here and, and play good ball and do well in the academics. So, uh, you know, we're very blessed to have those young ladies here. And, uh, you know, obviously PK was the leader of it. If we got a peek of your grease board in the locker room and there's goals written on it, what's the goals? What or what is the top goal this season? Uh, well, obviously, win Empire Eight because then we get an yeah. AQ into the Empire Eight. But you know, I think the girls take pride in, in taking care of the ball. Um, you know, limiting our you know turnovers and uh, just press pressing for you know forty forty minutes. Uh, obviously, big game at Stevens ahead. Obviously, Utica beyond that. You got to win every game, not every game, but you got to you got to watch out for all your opponents. Do you ever worry about that trap scenario? Whether it's because you're playing Stevens this this game, the next game against Utica, the team might you know, lose focus a little bit. Um. Well, obviously, there's always that 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 chance, but I think you know we've got a good base of girls. We've got a good uh, head and shoulder, and I think, like I said before, um, you know, last year kind of prepared us. There was a couple games that we kind of lost um, that we probably shouldn't have, and we lost focus. And I think those girls have taken that, you know, to and put in their in their back of their brains and and their learning curve. And uh, you know, I think they're just taking every game one game at a time. And uh, you know, we'll end, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show to talk about the about the team. My my other question would be: It's interesting. The men have certainly gotten a lot of attention over the last few years for how successful they have been. You guys may be flying a little under the radar. It, it is. It feels like you guys have broken out now. It seems like the women's program is ready for the spotlight. Um, what can you do to learn from last year's NCAA tournament experience? Should you get back? 
obviously, you know, every game, just like during the season, is very, very important. So you have to to pay attention. But the, you know, obviously, the, the talent level is the cream of the crop across the country. So, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, going to Tufts and having to play them on their home court and they hadn't won, they hadn't lost in, you know, two years, um, you know, obviously gave us a great experience. Um, but obviously, you know, just getting back into the NCAA um, yeah. was, you know, the girls were very happy, but they're still unfinished business uh, that they really would like to get after, um, you know, this year. So that's what our goal is right now, and that's what we're, we're searching and, and working for every day in practice. I'm sure. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. As I said before, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, no, I just appreciate you uh, giving us a call. The girls appreciate you, uh, you know, taking notice. Uh, a lot of hard work goes into it, and, uh, you know, um, I just appreciate it. Have a great day. Absolutely. Thank you, Coach. Take care of yourself, and good luck the rest of the season. Thanks, Dave. Marianne O'Connor, Ermy, joining me here. Uh, back to that Tufts game. I mean, that was a game St. John Fisher led the entire game last postseason until Tufts uh, pulled it out in the very, very end. Tough loss, certainly. The team hasn't uh, lost focus. 14-2, and two, as we said. Won nine straight. Big game coming up on Friday against Stevens on the road. We'll see how they do in that one. And they got, of course, the rest of the season to go. They'll actually finish the season with four straight home games. Four straight. Elmira, Houghton, Hartwick, and Stevens. Four straight home games to finish the year. When we come back, we told you doing some flip-flopping. We're going to go back to the men's basketball, and we're going to head west. Well, about halfway across the country. We'll talk about a storm brewing out in Iowa. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville. Right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Hope you've been enjoying the show. You can always tweet with us at D3 
Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. As we've said all show long, scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Uh, coming up next block, we will have, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the fundraiser. We'll talk more about the marathon show next week. We'll also talk about Sunday's show coming up. Uh, we've been going back and forth, men and women, men and women. Uh, and we are going back to men's basketball here as we traipse across the country, heading into uh, heading into Iowa and talking uh, basketball in the great state of Iowa, where certainly there's been some good basketball taking shape. Uh, if you haven't noticed the IIAC race, the Iowa Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, it, uh, it's a little crowded at top. Three teams all within a game of each other. Really, if you want to go into... Uh, into the nitty-gritty, all but one team is within two games at the top of the lead. And Co. the bottom team, is within three games of the top of the lead. It's a tight race in the IAC. Those leading the way, Dubuque and Simpson. Dubuque's been there. They were there last year. Simpson, not so much. So we figured we'd check in with Simpson, who also has a brand-new head coach this year. They're doing things a little bit differently. So we go to the Hoopsville Hotline, and joining us is Brad Bjorkren, Simpson's head coach. Coach, welcome to welcome to Hoopsville and welcome to Division Three, I should say as well. Oh, it's awesome! Hey, thanks for having me on. It's it, you're exactly right. The uh, the Iowa conference is tight, and so it's been exciting. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about your background. You've known this conference in this region and the, and the basketball played there from your years of being in high school area. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you got this job. You were hired back, I think it was in April or March or something yes. along those lines. April 15. Uh, there you go. Perfect. On tax day. Uh, yeah. And you got your your gift was a team that had been underachieving in the last few years. 7-19 back in 2012-2013, then 4-21, then 6-19 last year, finishing 1-13 in the conference. So what were your expectations moving into this year? Well, I'll tell you, to be honest with you, it was um, it was going to be a tough transition and also to have a new coach come in uh, with a new system and and uh, guys that I've never really, you know, I've seen them play in games, but yeah. I've never been around them in practice or never been around them during the day. And, and uh, my first goal was to uh, establish some relationships with some of these guys um, so that we could get a trust going. And I, I think uh, they're all on board, and um, and I'm very convinced in the game of basketball that if you uh, play together offensively and defensively, that you can have some success, no matter what your talent is. And uh, our guys are, are are really buying into that, and uh, they're not caring who's getting the accolades, even though we have some guys that are really having some outstanding years. They're all accepting their roles and embracing their roles, and um, we're having some success. And so it's been a lot of fun through the first go-round of the conference, and then we know it's going to be a lot tougher in the second go-round. Oh, absolutely, and certainly we're at that turn. And what's interesting, um, too, is that you know a lot of times, my own mater's gone through this, that sometimes a coaching change is enough to just kind of guide the talent that's there in a different direction that can get more out of them, for whatever reason that is. There's lots of reasons that could be behind that. Is that kind of what's going on here with the Storm? Or you guys have the talent in place that just – uh, a different set of eyes maybe looking at the situation has just allowed it to, to blossom a little bit more than it has in the last few years? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think, um, you know, I, I, I think it was um, it was a welcome change by the guys. I think um, I always tell my wife, I think my, you know, my wife is excited. I said, you know, she could go in there, and I think they were just excited for some change. And not what they were doing was wrong, and not to say anything bad about the coach that was here because, uh, you know, he was a good friend of mine. And um, and was doing a good job. It just didn't click. And um, and he's having success this year also. Um, so um, they were ready for some change. And so the guys were uh, thirsty for some success. 
And I think that was the main goal also was, besides establishing relationships, was to try to get over that hump and win some close ball games. And uh, we were able to win some close ball games. And, and last night, uh, we're on the road. Uh, we're, we're down nine and a half, and, and the guys found a way to win. And, and I think maybe we've overcome that, where now they feel like maybe they can go into some ball games and have some success and maybe win a few of those games. Um, but I, I think you're exactly right. Just a new set of eyes, maybe a new system. And, um, you know, and it took us a while. You know, to to get going on it, but I think we're uh, starting to kind of mesh a little bit, and so things are getting a little bit easier for them. Um, guys are off to a twelve and six mark here with five and two in conference. You've won five of your last six, with the one loss being to Dubuque. Uh, interestingly right. enough, Dubuque's your opponent coming up this weekend. You lost to them at home by ten. You've got them on the road. Obviously, big game at the top of the IAAC. But as we indicated the earlier. This IAC is long uh, from being uh, decided on. Uh, what have you guys learned from that previous game all oh, so many games ago for? Right. And what can you use moving forward into this one coming up on Saturday? Well, they have the experience, and, and, and they've been known as a uh, kind of a team that plays at the top of our league every year, and, and uh, they have a great coach in uh, Coach Sieverding. Um They have the best player in the league, uh, Andre Norris. Um, he averages a double-double. Um, he's a six foot seven wingman, uh, can take the ball off the rim and, and bring it at you in a hurry. And, and he's such a good passer and he's an unselfish player. And, and, uh, he's, uh, he's very long. Um, he, he's tough to contain and we contained him in the first outing. Uh, but they had some other guys step up. Um, it was kind of our first chance at maybe a big ball game. We had, you know, uh, had some, uh, I think we had just run a road game. And so we came home to a nice crowd and, and, um, you know, they, they just they were more experienced than us, and uh, they expected to win. Um, I'm hoping that maybe we've gotten over that hump a little bit and so that we can maybe present some other problems for them and, and stay with it for 40 minutes. Uh, the season started uh, with non-Division three Graceland with a big win. Then you played Augsburg and Gustavus Adolphus came up with losses. Interestingly enough, you then got back in the win column uh, against Grinnell, 103-80. I got to ask: Are you, from your coaching experience in high school, ever run into a system type program like Grinnell's? How did you prepare for that game? I've seen Grinnell and I've heard about Grinnell, and, and one time we did in high school, but not the way Grinnell does it. <laughs> Everybody, I think, besides Grinnell, plays a modified Grinnell style. They like to say that they're doing it. They brought 18 guys, and and you know about it. And they just, they were in every 45 seconds, and I thought the first half. I, I just couldn't believe that I was going to have to watch another half of that because I was I was worn out. I just you know I mean the scouting reports were thrown out the window because they had new guys in before I could say hey that guy's a shooter or that guy's yeah. a driver. Um, it's just an amazing style of basketball and and um, uh, you know we were able to um, I think one of the last six years one of the few teams to hold them eighty points or less. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our guys defended, and, and our guys kind of bought in. And, and um, actually, they kind of even backed off on their press and went to a 2-3 zone. Um, I, I, I'm kind of amazed at that. I didn't think it was going to be that way. That game bothered me for about a week. I couldn't figure out why we had them on the schedule. But uh, And now we got to go to their place next year. But, uh, yeah, it's a fun game. The guys like playing it. I think everybody likes playing against that um, and, and likes being in that system. And our guys love it. Um, that we're going against that system because they know what kind of style it's going to be. 
Um, but I don't know for sure if all the coaches are on board yeah. when you have to go against that. It's yeah. just really tough to prepare for. Well, it was fascinating because four days later, you're out in Tennessee and you played Rhodes and, and uh, you put up 58. You basically half the score <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple of days later. And then you beat uh, Wittenberg the next night by two. You lost to Wardoff uh, in non-Division three. got a couple yeah. more Division three ones, then lost in Mount Mercy. I think what I'm getting at here, coaches, you only have, uh, of your six losses, four of them in Division three. Uh, granted, a win doesn't count either there either. But you know, when we're looking at criteria and all that stuff down the road, you know, it looks it isn't that bad. And I know you're getting into the mix of that thing. But do you feel like you guys are are having a a, a season that 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 could warrant an NCAA tournament trip if you can't get an AQ? I, I, I'm, and granted, for anybody out there who's listening to the show or watching the show who knows me or knows the criteria. I'm just going off on an idea. I'm not. I haven't looked that hard at the numbers to say whether you guys are truly in shape. But at that at that same token, you're you're having a good year here. Yes, and you know you go back to that uh, the Grinnell game and then going out and playing Rhodes. Yeah. And in their home court and traveling nine hours playing that. Yeah. Somebody told me it was going to take you about two weeks to get out of that Grinnell style. Really? They said don't schedule games and you know and I I couldn't believe that you know. But maybe it did a little bit. Maybe it did affect us. Um, going back to the numbers and, and where we're at, um, you know, we had some goals at the beginning of the year, and, and one of our goals was to make the conference tournament, be in the top six, six teams in our league out of eight teams, and all eight teams are very equal, and all eight teams are very capable of making our conference tournament. And once you make the conference tournament, now you only have to win two games or three games to play in the NCAA tournament. And so that's what our first goal is. Now, we may adjust our goals after the first go-round. But right now, we're just happy to be where we're at, and hopefully that maybe we can stay where we're at um, and make that conference tournament. And once you make the conference tournament, now you got a shot to play in the NCAA tournament. I don't know of anybody. I know this is going to sound like a, a bad statement, but nobody's made the NCAA tournament by not making the, their own conference tournament. And, uh, and that's what our goal has been since uh, day one here, uh, making that conference tournament and seeing what we can do. One of the themes of this show and one of the themes of, of the season has been that you do have seniors on your squad. They're not necessarily the statistical leaders. Uh, you're, you're led by Sam Amsbaugh, sophomore, nearly 15 points a game, five and a half rebounds. Then you do have a se- senior in Dylan Gretzky. Great name, just to say it, Gretzky. Uh, 14 and a half points a game, nearly six rebounds himself. Then it's a junior, three of them in a row, Ryan Scar, Austin Turner, and DJ Daphne. 10 or 11 points a game, 10 points a game, and six and a half. So you've got senior leadership, certainly, but you've got a lot of guys who are young who are starting to contribute for this program. That's a great sign for the future for, for the Storm. I think so. I think so. And, and to mention those three seniors, um, they've been great leaders. You know, I told you I was hired on April 15th, and, and I believe on April 20th, um, I called up the seniors and I said, before we have a team meeting, um, I, I, you know, I, before I get down there on campus, I'd like to meet with you guys and talked to some of those guys on the phone and met with those guys and told them what I was all about. And they were all head nodding, and they wanted something. You know, they wanted success. And they didn't know for sure if I was going to be the guy, but I wanted them to develop a trust with me that I was going to do the best possible thing and they were going to enjoy playing basketball at this level and that we were going to have success. And I don't know how many wins that's going to be, but you're going to enjoy playing basketball at Simpson College. And Leif Olson from Minnesota and Dylan Gretzky uh, from Grinnell, Iowa. And then Tyler Anderson, who's now only played in two games. Yeah. He's actually a fifth-year senior. 
he's been injured for two years. He, he, he injured his shoulder last year, was out for the season, finally came back in July and was playing up in a league here in Des Moines, uh, tore his ACL. Mm. So put him back another six months, and he just started coming back last uh, two games ago. And so, um, and he's a Division II transfer and, and has some ability. He's not at full strength, but he's getting a shot to play. And uh, he really helped us out last night. And uh, those three seniors have been great leaders for our team, and they've been bringing it to practice. Um, we're practicing for the 60th time uh, tonight, and they've been bringing it to practice, being leaders. And, and uh, that's why we're having success, because of our leadership. Coach who counts his practices, pretty impressive, Coach, uh, to say the least. Uh, and that's usually what is always behind a good team is the senior leadership, whether they're playing on the court or not. I'm kind of curious, though. You know, you come from a high school background. You won nearly 400 games at Urbandale High up in that area. Yeah. What was the attraction to come to – well, I, I can imagine what the attraction is to college, but after 27 seasons in high school, usually you look at that and go, okay, this is a high school guy. He's not going to yep. move on to college. So why Simpson? Why now? Well, it's my alma mater, for one. And so, um, you know, I only live about 15 minutes away from Simpson College. Um, and they asked me that question in the interview process. <laughs> you know, why now? And I said, well, the job was never been open, you know, for about 25 years. It's never been open. Um, there was a, a coach here by the name of Bruce Wilson, who was a fantastic coach and had a lot of success. Yep. And then they hired his assistant, Charles Zanders. Uh, and so it has never been open. Um, and I've always had it in the back of my mind. Um, coaching keeps you young. Yeah. I know everybody thinks maybe I'm, uh, I'm a little older. You know, I, I had to tell the guys that I'm not Norman Dale uh, <laughs> from Hoosiers. You know, but um, I, uh, coaching keeps you young, and, and uh, these guys are keeping me young. And, and so I'm really blessed and honored to be here because it's a great place uh, to get your diploma, great place to go to school. And we're trying to get our basketball program to be in line with our academics. And, and um, it, it's just been something that it came up at the right time for me, you know. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm here for a long time. Well, it certainly is great to have you here. This, I mean, you're getting a taste. Obviously, you know the IAC, and you're getting a taste yes. of the conference. But you obviously know Simpson. and getting a taste of Simpson, though, from a little bit closer realm. You know, this IAC is crowded. You, you and Dubuque are tied. Obviously, big game coming up on Saturday. Loris is sitting there at 4-3. and three. Central, Wartburg, Buena Vista, and Luther all 3-4, and four, as we mentioned. There's all kinds of overall records mixed into that group. Yes. Uh, who, comes, who, who do you think comes out of this unscathed if you cannot vote for your own team? Well, you know, we got predicted to finish 8th in our league. Yeah. Preseason poll. Um. And so I don't think – I think everybody's a little bit surprised at where we're at. Um, you know, and, and we have good players here and, and coaches that have uh, – you know, I kept the assistant coach, Brandon Stromer, around, and he has uh, recruited very well. And so we have some guys that are, are decent – are good players. Um, if we can't pick ourselves, boy, I don't know. It's, it's tough because I think you're going to be lucky a few times. Uh, you know, I after the game last night, I asked uh, Coach Stromer, I said, are we mathematically in this conference race because I need to have an X by our name because it just seems like, you know, I mean, I know that how things go. I mean, bottom teams are beating top teams, and it's going to be a wild race all the way through because everybody is very equal. And so, boy, I don't know. The first game we played was against Buena Vista, and I thought they were very good, and I thought, holy cow, we're in trouble. That was our first Iowa Conference game. Yep. 
it was on the road. And they really took it to us. I think we ended up losing by 12. But honestly, we really didn't have a chance at winning that ball game the way we played. And I thought, and I thought they were very good. So um, I think they're going to be in a shoot. I think uh, Luther and Co. and Warburg, maybe they're at the bottom now. I think that they can be at the top at the end. It's, it's, uh, it's a tough one. Um, you know, I hope it's us. How about that, Dave? <laughs> That's fine. Seven <laughs> left, four of them at home. Um, how important is going to be the, the going to be games at Coles Fieldhouse? Uh, yeah, and and we play on the road this Saturday. So after that, we have six games yep. left and and four at home. So you know, I mean, that sounds a little bit better, but um, you know, it's important that we protect our home court. And uh, we've been fortunate to win three games on the road in the league so far. Um, you, you know, if, if we're not making shots, I, I think we're getting better at defending. So it gives us a chance to win. And we're playing solid defense, and and uh, you know we we go up and down, and we'll, and we'll shoot the three, and and we got a lot of guys that can make threes, um, but if those shots aren't going in, at least we can defend. But uh, defending, if we can defend our home court, all right, then I think we have a chance of making the conference tournament and putting an X by our name that we have already clinched a berth in the conference tournament. And if we can win a couple more on the road, um, you know maybe we can have an Iowa conference championship. Uh, I know you're just getting used to the conference. Nebraska Wesleyan, though, comes into the conference next year. Yes. That's going to make things interesting. Yeah, and that, that'll put nine teams in our league, and, and it's a good ad for us because we're right in the middle. You know, we're only three yeah. hours away from Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, not too bad for three you. Hours. Yeah, so it, it's kind of, you know, that's a, it's a good fit for us, and, uh, and they're having a lot of success this year, and, and they play a modified Grinnell style. Um, so now we have to go through that maybe three times next year, but, um, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it, I think it's a good addition to our league. Um, and I think that they are very good in all athletics, but I know that they're good in men's basketball. And yeah. so, um, to add another quality team is going to be good for our league. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show. Uh, certainly looking forward to seeing what the storm do the rest of the way. Obviously a big game coming up on Saturday against Dubuque and we'll be keeping an eye on that one. To say the least. Uh, as always, though, on this show, Coach, we give the final word to the guest or the coach. Uh, any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I'll I tell you, you know, if you want to play, how about this? If I can say, if you want to play, to play basketball and have some fun playing and you can make shots, we got a lot of shooters, but we want makers. Uh, we'd love to have you. But uh, um, it, it's been an honor to be on this show. It's been an honor to be at Simpson College. And um, thank you for doing this. I'm going to definitely be now a Hoopsville fan. Um, <laughs> Can't say I was for the first 27 years of my coaching career, but I am now. All right, Coach, I, I don't blame you. You had better things to do in high school than to be paying <laughs> attention to us. But I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. Good luck uh, the rest of the season. We're looking forward to keeping an eye on the storm, as it were. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, uh, Brad Bjorkren joining us here on the show. Again, team is 12-6 and six overall, 5-2 and two in conference. Tie with Dubuque. Big, big game coming up on Saturday. When we come back, we wrap up the show, answer some of your questions. Of course, talk about the Hoopsville fundraiser and, of course, as well, we'll talk about the Hoopsville Marathon coming up next weekend. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We wrap up Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
I used to never really talk, ever.、Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering、uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely. Put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field; it will matter how they do in the classroom. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you've enjoyed the show. I want to thank all our guests who have appeared on it so far. Well, really not so far. That's it. <laughs> we don't have any more guests tonight.、Um, we got a few more minutes here. If you've got any questions for us or anything you want to chat with us about, please feel free to do it via Twitter at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Do it via email Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Do it via Facebook Facebook.com/Hoopsville. It's how you can interact with us. We certainly hope you'll take advantage of that when you get the opportunity.、Uh, obviously, a lot of shows, so let's get through some of the business of things, as it were.、Uh, we got a lot of things coming up Sunday, seven o'clock Eastern time. Back on the air with our normal Hoopsville show. No major thoughts there. We'll put our show together again、uh, on Thursdays. We cover the East, Mid Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West primarily. On Sundays, we primarily cover the. Northeast Atlantic, South and Central regions. So expect your guests from there. Of course, we'll also have the WBCA、uh, Center Court segment. Also coming up a week from today, we will still be on the air wrapping up Hoopsville from our 12-hour marathon show. Now that was supposed to happen today, because of the blizzard and other circumstances, we pushed it off a week. Um, so next Thursday, we're on the air, 12 hours live, with plenty of guests. We are working to fill in those guests. If you have guest ideas for that show, send them our way. No promises we're going to get them on the air, but you're welcome to try. But、uh, you can email us, tweet us, whatever. Again, that is a week from today, our 12-hour marathon show. Um, and then a week from Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, we will do an earlier show. I think we're going to air around one o'clock. It depends on a couple factors. We'll figure it out, but we go on the air earlier. That way, we still cover Division Three, but we're not crazy enough to go up against the Super Bowl. Not to mention the fact I wouldn't mind watching the game too. I haven't seen a lot of football in the playoffs this season,、uh, so just a heads up on that.、Uh, that will be a, a different time, and obviously. Got lots of other shows and specials coming up during the show tonight. We officially launched the Hoopsville fundraising efforts. We have done this now. This is our third season doing it. 
We have been asked to do this. Believe it or not, I've had lots of coaches and fans ask us, are you going to fundraise again? So the answer is yes. Um, we can show you the fundraising page as it's up and running. Uh, here it is. Ta-da! Our fun <laughs> the pictures of Pat and I. We'll try and improve at least the images on the site when we get the chance. Our goal, a modest $7,500. See if we can hit it. Um, we got gifts and, and perks, for example, $15 warm-ups. We'll give you a shout-out on our contributors page. Um, $30, uh, shout-out on the contributors page and a shout-out on the website. $75 plus shipping. We'll send you a T-shirt or a long-sleeve shirt or a gift of some kind. We're actually still working on the details of the gift. We'll finalize those and get them to you. $125 will get you all of that plus... Uh, I'll wear a uh, uh, your school's shirt and interview a men's or women's coach of your choosing. Now, if for some reason we can't get that done by the end of the season, depending on when you um, uh, take advantage of this, uh, we'll get them on early next year. There's 10, op 10 uh, chances for that. And then the Hoopsville MVP, $250 plus shipping. All of what we've described, plus we'll even have you come on the show. Five of you can claim that. If we run out of perks for some reason... We'll add more perks. That's how you can do it. You can contribute now. We've launched that as of uh, today uh, during the show. We, uh, we've been asked to do it, and so we're doing it. And we hope uh, if you're interested, please, uh, it, basically, this goes to solve uh, helping us with costs of equipment, upgrades, lighting. We always have equipment failures at some point. You know the technical difficulties we experienced the last few weeks. Uh, it allows us to travel to events and see games and talk with coaches in person and whatnot. It will allow us to do a lot of other things. Um, we don't make money on this show, plain and simple. Everything we take from contributions or or those from the NABC and the WBCA, we put back into the show. Internet bills, phone bills, uh, electricity bills, computer upgrades. Uh, we had to add a computer uh, this year to our, our suite of computers that set us back about $2,000. So uh, that's all money. And, and and believe it or not, we've actually been asked by coaches and fans if we would do this again because they enjoy giving us the ability to promote Division Three and cover Division Three in a way that Division Three deserves to be covered. So if, you're if you'd like to, please contribute. If you cannot completely understand, um, please don't feel you have to. Um, but please share this with somebody else who may be interested. That would certainly appreciate it on our parts, to say the least. I wanted to reveal a gift. We've been talking about this, and finally it has arrived. It is a wonderful gift from Sean Cavanaugh at the Warren Achievement Center in Monmouth, Illinois. Give you a quick read. Uh, Warren Achievement Center, pleased to gift Hoopsville this awesome oak creation. We have a computerized router, which will generate nearly any design and carve it into wood, acrylic, glass, or any other uh, composite materials. Kind of cool, isn't it? Uh, as a fan of Hoopsville, I would like to see your podcast. Uh, I see, I could see in your podcast so you have many things in the background. We do. Uh, and thought you could use a sign or something to go along with all the memorabilia. Awfully nice of this uh, of Sean here. Uh, the president and CEO, Rick Barnhill, gave them the green light on the project. Uh, Michael Blint programmed the computer with a desire, desire design and went to work on the router. I must admit the results are amazing. Uh, Sean, I can't, uh, can't agree with you more. Uh, 50 years, Warren Achievement Center has achieved, uh, existed to serve those with developmental and cognitive disabilities. 
We have residential facilities, day programs, and sheltered workshop. In addition, we're one of the few places you can truly say is open 24-7, 365. Um, sheltered workshop where we have the router and other production items is a place where achievers, those who we serve, can earn wage or contributing by contributing to the many projects and contracts we have. Your gift carries with it the pride shared by our achievers. I will tell you this. I'll be reaching out to Sean. We've been chatting the last few weeks. I'll be reaching out to Sean to see if we can get him or somebody on the show from the Warren Achievement Center next week on the Marathon Show. I'd love to I'd love to shine a light on this kind of uh, group. These are the kind of groups I loved. When I was in television, I produced a show called uh, Good Morning in uh, Maryland at 9. Very much, we love dedicating time to groups like this. I will try and find a way. And check this out. How about this, everybody? Do you, if you can see, if you're watching the video, beautiful oak sign with the Hoopsville logo. Uh, we'll have to figure out how they got the logo. <laughs> I'm not positive how they get the logo. But just gorgeous. Guys, this is incredible. Uh, I cannot wait to put it behind us. We'll hopefully get it hung by Sunday. I'm not sure where. I'm, I'm looking behind me to figure out where. I got a couple ideas, maybe over here. I've thought about here, but I think it might be too big to be here. We'll figure it out. It'll be hung here. It'll be hung with pride. It will be hung prominently. Um, Sean, thank you very much. I'm going to out you though, buddy. He is an Augustana fan. He says, my Augustana is looking great. And Sean, I agree with you. Thank you so much. Wonderful gift. Not that, not that we're going, hey, send us gifts. But if you have any memorabilia or something that represents your school that you'd like to see behind us, send it our way, please. Don't shy away from it. We'll hang it up here. I mean, one of my favorite things is buried right now. It's back here. Here it is. Wheaton, Massachusetts Women's Basketball sent us a little mini basketball rim. This area has kind of gotten a little crazy since our return from D3Hoops.com. Uh, those on the podcast, I'm talking about the section over my right shoulder. Um, we're going to be redoing this ahead of the marathon and, and doing some new things. So um, we'll find a better place to hang it. But again, if you have some memorabilia and you want to send it our way, please do so. Uh, we'll be dressing up the studio a little bit more ahead of the marathon as well. That's going to do it. I uh, quickly want to check on scores from tonight that may have... Jumped out of us. Johnson and Wales continues to roll, though a surprisingly low-scoring affair for them. They beat Emmanuel 82-54. Johnson and Wales is beating their conference opponents by 36 points almost every single night, and it's amazing uh, to see. Uh, Messiah and Stevenson are playing right now. Just got a score update. Messiah leads Stevenson 52-51 with 749 left to go in that one. Those are two programs who have usually been at the top of the MAC Commonwealth struggling in men's basketball. Women's basketball, Stevenson uh, has won five straight, beating Messiah earlier. Um, let's see. Really nothing else jumping out at me. Some uh, Texas games haven't gotten underway or just getting underway, so we really don't have any scores there. On the women's side of things, quickly going through, the only top 25 team in action was Texas Tyler against Louisiana College. I'm not sure who won that game. It already happened. Um, we mentioned Stevenson winning. Um some other Texas games, nothing of note that surprises me here. No no big surprise scores, to say the least. So kind of a quiet night here on Thursday night, which is good. Hoops will get some more attention that way. Uh, don't forget, you can interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Join us for the marathon 12 hours next Thursday. Join us Sunday, 7 o'clock. we got a lot to start talking about, folks. Regional rankings will be coming out in a couple of weeks. 
Uh, we'll hopefully get the regional, uh, the, the national committee chairs on the marathon to kind of give us. They'll have gone through a, a test, as it were, with one more, you know, kind of a prep um, ranking before the real rankings come out. The things are getting down and dirty now. We've gotten about two thirds of the season underway. This is when we really start looking ahead to seeing who could be in the NCAA tournament. So if you've got questions, we will certainly try and answer those questions for you. Send them our way. Uh, if you got guest ideas, let us know as well. Um, and seriously, we'd love, love to try and answer your questions and, and keep this as conversational as possible. Obviously, a lot of guests to get on the show as well coming up. So one against, once again, want to thank the guests who appeared on the show tonight. They include uh, John Krikorian, uh, number nine, Christopher Newport's men's basketball coach, Chad Shuttler, number 21, Bluffton women's basketball coach, Kevin uh, Jaskowitz, the Coast Guard men's coach in the NABC Coaches Corner, uh, Mariana O'Connor-Ermey from St. John Fisher, and women's coach there, and Brad Bjorkgren from Simpson, the men's coach there. By the way, the all-named game today, too. You've got a, we got a Krikorian, we got a Shuttler, a Jaskowitz, a Ermey, and a Bjorkgren. You'd win some uh, some Scrabble games that way, would you not? Um, also want to thank the WBCA and NABC for their support, as always. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be shining more light on the relationship with the WBCA and NABC on the marathon as well. Um, and also, of course, D3Hoops.com for hosting our site. Uh, if you, again, interact with us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising efforts. We'll make the big kickoff, obviously, on Thursdays. We're doing 12 hours, um, but we hope to raise funds. Ba- you know, Basically, get a chance to go see teams. Last year, we said if we raised $7,500, we'd head out to the Sky Act. Now, we, our goal was only 5000 so we're going to make it 7500 If we get 7500 we will head out to the West Coast next year to catch some basketball games. I promise you that. That's going to do it for us. I want to thank also all the sports information directors who helped us put these guests together today. Really appreciate that. Um, it is uh, certainly a kind of them to do the extra effort to help us and uh, look forward to the assistance down the road as well. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate uh, your patronage as well. We're going to sign off for tonight. We'll be back on Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. If you missed any of the show, you can watch it on demand or listen to the podcast at any point in time. Uh, you, that you wish. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a good evening, and we'll see you back here on Hoopsville on Sunday night. Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA NABC Studios. Good night, everybody. <laughs>